documented 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. As Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life. Today on the podcast, I present another rant I did on this uh, disclosure initiative that's going on right now. It was done on May the 19th, so only a couple of days ago. It was called ET Roundtable with Grant Cameron, and it was done for uh, Alan Steinfeld, who runs New Realities. He had a guest, a, an experiencer with the Defense Intelligence Agency, who was going to appear. Um, she was not able to make it, and so he prodded me to start talking about disclosure, and um, I discuss the latest initiatives of disclosure. The one thing that would be important to point out in this is that this was done after the Danny Sheehan um, interview last Sunday. And uh, so I talk a little bit about that. Uh, For example, I talk a little bit about um, uh, people walking Danny Sheehan's statement back that this really isn't an investigation at the Defense Intelligence Agency, which, of course, makes me think of the old story with um, John Mack, who believed that um, the whole investigation of him by Harvard University was not an investigation, it was just they wanted to ask him some questions. And it wasn't until Danny Sheehan came in that um, he got rescued from uh, being fired and losing his tenure. The other thing I discuss in this, um, this uh, talk with Alan and a panel is the fact that I keep maintaining And I will maintain that this initiative started before um, December of 2017. Everybody wants to sort of tie it into 2017 with the New York Times. Uh, I maintain that it goes back to 2015. So here's the the latest disclosure. Uh, We actually have, uh, we're looking to do another um, interview where uh, Melinda Leslie, uh, we have given her her assignment to save the world. She is now presently trying to uh, interact with Jim Semivan, who was the co-director of TTSA, as to the latest initiatives, the, the um, uh, 60 Minutes, because my impression was that it was Jim Semivan that was supposed to go on 60 Minutes in 2016, so she's, she's going to be interacting with Jim Semivan, and also uh, an interaction with um, Danny Sheehan, who um, just did his meeting yesterday, a um, on-the-record um, um, meeting with the defense intelligence with the department of defense inspector general that was under oath so enjoy this uh latest um discussion about the disclosure initiative that's going on right now and hopefully shortly we'll have some new material from danny sheehan 
Welcome to New Realities. I'm Alan Steinfeld. I'm here with my regular crew of roundtable discussants, and we are going to look at the UFO situation from a kind of overview intellectual perspective. We were supposed to have a guest today. Roderick, what happened to our guest? <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. Um, I got a message that she just wasn't feeling well today. Mm -hmm. You know, she does have things that she's deal with on, on, a, mm. on a medical basis. Right. And, uh, but she wanted to, uh, and she was really feeling uh, really bad by not being here. So I, I think, you know, they, she should have called you as well. They're going to give you a call. Um, but not that she doesn't want to reschedule and be here, um, which she does. Um, I just think that, um, you know, what she deals with on the other side of the spectrum medically flares up and back and down, you know, in, and sometimes it gets overwhelming for her. Right. So that's okay. I mean, I have Grant here. He's a huge resource of knowledge. And uh, I yep, really yep. wanted Grant to meet Anjali. <laughs> right, Grant? You're I can, I can fill airtime? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. You, you're, you're, no, you look, might no, not be no at he's the, not saying that. He's not saying that. No, no, you're not. You're at the center. There's nobody who has more of a sense of the moving parts than you, Grant. As we approach this thing, we just saw a little video from that's CNN. when we do this, you know. The, you know, he, he's yeah, playing yeah. it. No, he's but but really, um, that the, the, the <laughs> thing that was interesting in the CNN Anderson Cooper interview with the pilot, along with Favor Favor, was this the woman she says she's on Twitter on UFO Twitter, she's She's part. She's become one of us, Grant. What do you, What do you make of that? <laughs> yeah, they all seem to. Um, I I I think it's good. And then the other thing is that um, apparently the government people are on there as well. This is sort of like a, um, a sounding board that they want people to put pressure on the government, and they've encouraged the government to come watch this this big discussion. And that's my only drawback to it. It's it's being used as a pressure thing to on the government to say, look, all these people, they want this and, and they're demanding things and stuff like that, where um, mm. if, they, well, if they're going after the truth and they're going after what's actually going on, I'm all for it. But if, if again, we talked about this before the show started, if it comes down to this, this idea that we need money for new weapon programs and we're going to create a new enemy and the weapons of mass destruction and stuff like that, then I got a problem with it. No, well, but that's but, what it's going to be though. Right guys. No, no. I don't know. Lou Alessandro has has been converted, I think, to to in the, in the background. We should talk about that. What Danny said. Yeah. What did Danny I had say? Danny on 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 Sunday night. We had a post uh, sixty minutes ex UFO post game ex show. Explain who Danny Sheehan is, because he is a central figure for the last, I'd say, thirty years in the UFO world. Okay, so Danny Sheehan worked. He his UFO interest came from working for the Carter administration. He worked for Marcia Smith, who was the head of science and technology at the Library of Congress. And she had been um, given an, a job by uh, the White House, which is Carter. Kind of weird she's with Jimmy Carter, Carter, right? To do, yeah. to do two different studies. One was on UFOs, one was on extraterrestrial intelligence. And they'd brought Danny Sheehan in. He's got a, a, a PhD at Harvard in law, and he's also got a PhD in religion. So they had brought him in uh, originally to do a lecture for JPL, the top 50 people in JPL, on the religious implications of the discovery of extraterrestrial intelligence. So, right. so Danny Sheehan goes in, 
And he says to Marcia Smith, well, Wait, yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing to his credential. He's also a devout Catholic and part of the Jesuits. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Go ahead. He, he had broken the, he had, he had defended the New York times on the Pentagon papers. He right. exposed Oliver North and the Iran Contra. He shut down the American, American nuclear industry by defending Silkwood and, and basically shutting down the American, American, uh, you know, he, he worked with the Aboriginals. We call them Aboriginals in South Dakota on the, on the pipeline issue. Uh, he's he's been a lot of real oh, high and, and John Mack mentioned the thing with John Mack. Yeah, yeah, that he defended John Mack, and he also was the legal counsel to the Steve Bassett at the citizens' hearing. Right. So his interest okay. came because he always well, he said that he wanted to be an astronaut, and that he had actually uh, was going to go and was going to be an astronaut. He was interested in outer space and stuff like that, and um, then he ends up doing a law degree, and he finds out that you know. He, he talks to a woman and she says, oh, you're interested in being an astronaut. You should meet my friend, Marsha Smith. And Marsha Smith was this woman doing two studies, one on extraterrestrial intelligence. One was on UFOs for President Carter as Carter came in. So mm-hmm. he gets uh, brought on the, the project to work for, for Marsha Smith. And he said, you know, if I'm going to do this lecture on the religious implications of extraterrestrial life to the top 50 people at JPL, I need to see the blue book files. And she said, wow, we, we can't get the, the classified blue book files. No way. And he said, well, I, I, I need that. And then he said, suddenly he gets a call and they say, go to the Jefferson building, which is kind of interesting. It's in Washington. I've been there. And on the, on the top, Jefferson was big into uh, uh, people cannot govern themselves without knowledge. Like it's game over. And it's on the side of the building. As you walk in the front door, this famous expression by Jefferson about the fact that people need to know what, about what's going on in the government. So he, he, he goes and he tells the story that, that he goes to the basement and all these files are in there, all these microfish, microfilm readers and stuff like that. And he takes in a legal pad into the, into the room. He's not supposed to have a legal pad. And then he's sitting there and he's looking through all his classified files and stuff like that. And he really doesn't see anything. So he says to the guy, I need to see some UFO stuff, some photographs. You know, I haven't got, all, I haven't got much time. And so they show him and he actually ends up seeing these photographs of this crash flying saucer in a snowbank, mm-hmm. And he takes the legal pad, puts it underneath the microfish reader, and he draws the symbols that are on the side of the craft. And he puts the symbols on his, under his arm and he goes walking off. And uh, they, they say, what, what do you, what do you, uh, you were supposed to take that pad. And they lift, leaf, leaf through the pad, but they don't look at the back pad where he's, where he's mm-hmm. got this, this symbol on. They let him go. So he, he starts telling the story. And even I went to Marsha Smith and said, this story, Danny Sheens, is this true that you're working on this thing? And Danny said, I, I talked to him once and I said, what was the conclusion? Was it classified? He said, I, I didn't see the classified markings, but I assume it was classified for the president. And the the uh, they had all these UFO photographs or not photographs, but uh, drawings in the UFO. And that the extraterrestrial conclusion was they believed there was at least six extraterrestrial races visiting the Earth. This was mm-hmm. in the official report to Jimmy Carter. So he starts talking about this and Marsha Smith gets very angry that he suddenly, and, he, and as you saw the interview with Danny Sheehan, he said, well, what's the, I can't figure out why she gets so upset. I mean, people want to keep this secret. And he said to, to me, I mean, if I see something the same day, I go, hey, look what the hell I saw, man. This is so cool. He said, and he said, the one guy told him, remember that story? The one guy told me, he said, Danny, don't ever get a security clearance. Don't ever get a security right. you're, you're a smart guy. You don't need a security clearance. You can figure out anything. And he said, they could give me an interview with the live alien. And I would never take a security clearance. And right. So, so, so he, 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 got, he had these symbols from one of the crashed retrievals that yeah. he copied. And then did that go anywhere? I mean, where did that 
happened? Well, he, I asked him one time in San Francisco. He was at um, that, that big conference he used to hold in San Francisco. He was there and he was signing. And I said, have you still got those symbols? And he said, yeah, they're in my garage in these. I've never seen the symbols. They're in a file. He drew it for a guy in front of me. He, Danny drew the symbols on a piece of paper. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking I should go and draw off that guy's thing. And I thought, no, nah, I won't do it. And that was the closest I ever got to it. Danny drew them but, for somebody. But I wonder, if they match, I wonder if they match the symbols from Jesse Marcel and from Jim Pennison. Jesse Marcel from the crash retrieval at Roswell and Jim Pennison from or the, the, uh, to me, the ones that Danny drew were a little more complex. They're more like the if you see people doing the alien writing, you know, mm -hmm. with the dots, the, the dots right. and the squiggles and stuff like that. Right, it, right. it looked like that, that what Danny drew for this guy on this piece of paper. Okay, so now, so Danny, now, okay, Danny now is Lou Elizondo, the key central figure in the disclosure um, phenomena. So he's even more inside than Elizondo. I, I mean, so talk about where we are. What's all the moving parts that are going on now in this? Okay, he's, he's, he's sort of the legal counsel for Lou and for Chris Mellon. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what it sounds, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I think, uh, Lou came to him because Lou had filed a um, a complaint with the the inspector general, and most people got to realize the inspector general has ultimate power. There's no the only person that can stop him. If you remember the Trump days, Trump was firing all these attorney these inspector generals who were starting to do investigations. That's the only person that can stop an inspector general. So the inspector general, Lou, I think, had filed a complaint that people were 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 bad mouthing him and they were trying to discredit him inside. And so he filed this complaint. And so um, uh, Sheehan is going in to help him with this. And then th these two new ones, when we interviewed Sheehan, he said there's not one, there's three of them now. So the one is this uh, people trying to deep six uh, Lou Elizondo. And the second one. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Stop. Stop for one second. They're trying. They actually denied Elizondo ever worked for the Pentagon. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and Lou Elizondo got very upset. They're calling me a liar. They're calling me a liar. And then Danny Sheehan says, well, if that's the worst, you got yeah, no problem. I mean, you, what do you expect? They're going to call you a liar. They're going to call you a liar. And so, so but he's already, I mean, that. but the, is this going along with what you're saying always happens with government? They say yes. And then they say, no, they give and they take. And it's like, well, that's the second one. That's the second one. Oh. One of the other complaints is, are they, are they jerking around the inspector generals to find out are they messing around with the ATIP files? Are they messing around with these statements? Why are they mm -hmm. coming up with two different statements? So the inspector general can go in and he has ultimate power to subpoena people inside the defense department. And he says, okay, why did you put out this statement? Why did you put out that statement? And these people have to, uh, like he's a, where they said is a GS 15. He's one of the highest level people inside the government, this inspector general, and mm -hmm. nobody can walk around him. He can look at any files he wants and stuff like that. And so that's one of the complaints is this whole deal where they're messing around, you know, people aren't getting FOIAs. With it, FOIA is legal. Why are you not doing this? You've been told to do this. You're mm -hmm. not answering these FOIAs. That's one of the complaints. And the other one, the main one that he, I think he'd been brought in with Lou was that Lou was upset that people were calling him a liar. And that was why they were trying to discredit him. And I even talked to somebody who said they were going to do an interview with some guy who had been in in the um, DIA and bad-mouthing Lou. And I said to the guy, I said, you better not run that interview because they're about to out these people. And you don't know if this stuff is true or not. And that's the whole deal is why are these people bad-mouthing Lou Elizondo? If the Defense Department, if we're all one and we're all working together on the same team, how do you get to go and, and bad-mouth a fellow uh, intelligence officer? Right. So 
Okay, so they are now, Danny Sheehan is defending Lou, going, and when he makes this public to the inspector general, does that mean there's Senate hearings? What, what's the next step in that process? Well, the inspector general will write a report. So there's actually, the way, way it works, according to what Danny said, is there's the inspector general, and then there's his, his um, lieutenants. There's uh, like a sub-inspector uh, general's. So he's meeting with the first, he met with the first one this morning at nine o'clock in, in Washington, but they're doing it by Zoom. And right. then he's going to meet with the second one. All these three cases are under, being held by different people. So there's a, there's one um, lieutenant running one, second, third, and he's meeting with the first. And I said to him, because one of the people that was on the panel that we had said, oh, the inspector general can walk around anything, man. This is a scam. People are molesting women in the military and they just sweep it under the carpet and stuff. So I said to Danny. Because you know Danny, Danny's a pretty powerful guy. I said, yeah. "Hey, Danny, okay, you're you're with this Inspector General. You know what's going on. Do you think you can keep the guy in line, or is he going to be able to walk around you?" And Danny says, "Well, we'll have to meet with him first. I got to find out, you know, what they're what they are." But that's when he he was sort of saying, "I've never met a, a lawyer in the government I could trust." And so he, he's the guy that knows how all the pieces fit together. He he's not going to be fooled by anybody. He was even that's where he was even saying, if you watch, he was saying to Lou. Did you think they told you what was going on? He said, yeah, I think so. And he said, they didn't tell you what's going on. You don't have no idea. There, there's all sorts of stuff that I know that you don't know. And he's sort of like, he's briefing Lou Elizondo on what's going on. And I think that's what some of the people on Twitter didn't like, was this idea that, that Danny is sort of uh, speculating on stuff. Oh, so Danny Sheehan is briefing the guy who was inside the Pentagon. Elizondo. 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 They didn't tell you what's going on. You're, you, you don't know what's going on. Uh, and, right. and you remember he talked about that that Mach 12 plane? The, the, yeah, the, the yeah talk about that. Who who talked about the Mach 12 plane? Was it? Uh, Shannon? Sheehan had said, you know, that Lou didn't know about this, that, you know, that I knew about this plane. They showed me the photograph of this plane, goes at Mach 12, and it's got 100 nuclear tubes, and they can deliver 100 nuclear weapons to, uh, to uh, Russia in under two minutes. And mm -hmm. it, it puts this... Uh, these tubes come up when it's at high speed and it shoots this rare gas that goes and it explodes and the explosions cause it to go faster and stuff like that. So Danny's talking about, about all this technology that he, he, he claims that he's been given access to, or he talked about the fact he's talking to the CIA guy and, and the CIA guys opens, he's a, C, oh, a CIA guy. And he's saying to Danny, yeah, we know about that Roswell. And he said, you, you're actually making progress when you're talking to an, an active CIA guy, and he's actually just talking about it like it's everyday stuff. Oh, yeah, Roswell, was, we had no problem with that. And he said, we're actually making progress on this thing. So I, I'm pretty optimistic with what Sheehan is there because he knows what's going on. And it's like when, when, remember when Harvard went after John Mack and John thought it was always just an investigation. And, 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 and uh, you know, Sheehan told him, you know, quit talking and I'm going to handle this. And then he took on um, Harvard University. Harvard was floored. Because Danny just said, okay, now we're going to have an investigation. We're going to bring up witnesses. And they go, what, 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 what do you mean? Wait, 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 witnesses. And they ended up apologizing to John Mack. And that's mm. the thing is Danny can go in against these big organizations that think they can just walk over everybody. Nobody knows what's going on. Danny has been there since the 1970s exposing this kind of uh, corruption inside the government. So what do you think? And everyone, Henrietta, Dave, jump in when you want. Uh, what do you think the end game, Alessandro, you know, he's out there. He's put himself out in front. Chris Mellon's a sort of second behind. Alessandro's the front guy in the disclosure movement. 
What is his end game? What does he want? Why is he doing hundreds of interviews a week or whatever he's doing? What, yeah, I'm interested in what you think he's thinking, I mean, or wants to happen. Let, let other people, I'll, I'll say after, I've got my opinion, but let okay. other people jump in here as to what Anything, they Anything, David, you've been following the story. Yeah, I'm interested actually to hear what, what Grant has to say. I mean, the other, so, I mean, Lou, actually, he just put up a website too, where he's offering advisory services and is, you know, offering consulting services as well and highlighting his media persona. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting. He's got, you know, I mean, it's like the, the, uh, not a, not even a curriculum vitae. What would be the, what's the entertainer version of that, you know, with like a, like their, their profile with their headshots and stuff. So, so he's advising people about what on the website? No, I, well, no, I mean, on his website, he's offering that as a service. So like you can call Lou and hire him to, to be an advisor for counter, you know, like contractual agreements and stuff. He's offering himself as kind of like a for hire guy. And then he's got his, his media oh. stuff on the bottom of it, where it's like, I've appeared on, you know, these different shows and all that. So I was curious, I'm curious to hear what Grant has to say, because when I saw that, I was like, wait, like wait, where are we going with this? This is kind of a strange angle to take, uh, mm. you know. Speaking of strange angles, your light's very bright behind yeah, your head. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the Georgia sun is started. Oh, okay. Soon. Oh, that's the sun, the Georgia sun. Okay. Yeah, and sun. Henrietta, go ahead. Jump in there for a second. What do you, where we go? I can't, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, make your sound a little louder. A little louder. Make your sound a little louder. Uh, is this better? Yeah, that's better. Yes. Is it better? Yes. 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 That's fine. What, what's he offering? When you say consulting, I don't understand what he would be consulting for. Alessandro, uh, Al we said on his website. He's consulting as a, um, you know, as a, his experience within the intelligence agencies. And it, it can basically like a corporate consultant, you know, if you had, if you wanted to go up against you know, high level contract agreements and that you might want a counterintelligence guy to come in and give you, but, you know, how to, but, how to operate in that, that field. But, you know, but, or, I mean, but even maybe even like a mercenary thing, I don't know. I mean, that's, his, that, that's very odd. It's an odd kind of, but it's secondary to the whole UFO thing where he, I think what he wants, I'll tell you, Grant, that he wants the truth out, but only a little piece of it that people can handle. He said to people like, I, we can't go, maybe Whitley or somebody, he said, we can't go into the abduction thing. We can't go into all that. They, he's basically spearheading, uh, framing it from the Nimitz on. I think there's, how come no one ever mentions anything before 2004? It's like nothing ever happened. Suddenly you get this footage. It, it's, it's sort of crazy. He does drop hints in some of these interviews. Yeah, we come in 50 feet of this, he says to Stephen Greenstreet. And Stephen Greenstreet says, well, what did it look like within 50 feet of this object? He says, well, I can't tell you. My security clearance won't let me. But, you know, I, I think he's basically a good guy trying to get some piece of truth. But, you know, a piece of truth is not the whole truth. And it's basically, I think, they're treating us like children, Grant, and they say, well, you're not mature enough to hear the whole story. Only these really 
undeveloped, these unspiritual people in the military can, uh, and they don't even get what's going on. I think that's also what we're going to find out, hopefully in June, that nobody knows what's really happening here. Not the government, certainly not the media, not the politicians. There may be some higher ups. And some people say, well, Eisenhower met with an ET and it's all been arranged. So I, I don't know. There's so many different moving parts that did Eisenhower meet with an alien? Did he they make a, a, a treaty to get technology for human genetics? I mean, that's... Well, and, and, and Alan, to your point, too, I mean, about the going back to 2004 and stopping. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd yeah. like to hear Grant's thoughts on that as well, because it is, I mean, they've within five years, maybe, well, I mean, like, so 2017, they've mm-hmm. erased, they've erased like a hundred years worth of history in the public mind in terms of uh, the UFO subject. And there's mm-hmm. so much else going on. I mean, Grant, you well know of all of the, you know, I mean, there's so much more. Is there such a rich field that's been narrowed down to like this little tiny, you know, tech aspect of it. And it, it just doesn't touch on any of the, you know, kind of profound elements. And I know Whitley was talking about in one of his last um, podcasts, you know, I mean, the, the actual experiencers are getting like tossed out. I mean, even, I mean, Matthew Roberts, right? I mean, some of the people are Kevin Day. Kevin Day has had intense experiences that are, you know, go way beyond just tech in the skies you know, and all of that just like erased. Mm. So Grant, yeah, thanks Steve for joining us. Roderick's back with us. So Grant, we were up to you to put all the pieces together because you're the only one who's aware of all the moving parts and the history and an experiencer besides. So um, I I mean, take your best shot. (laughs) Okay, I I did a podcast about this um, where I say, you mentioned the thing about 2004 and Alizondo sort of cuts off past history. He'll just go to, that's when I was in ATIP. I can't talk about what happened before ATIP. I don't really have that material. We analyzed these cases, only military cases. We're not, uh, Title 10, we can't go after people on the street because we, you know, the disinformation thing. And we can't, we, can, we have to only deal with military people. Which, and that makes sense. But what I said, um, people have to realize is there's nothing new under the sun, as the Bible says. And I, I point out that I wrote a book called Managing Magic. The date of that publication was February 2017. That was eight months before Lou Elizondo came on the scene. That was eight months before Mellon came on the scene. That was eight months before Justice came on the scene. And I said in that book, I said, they are going to drop it. I was told in 2016, the following items that I was told, there are high level officials that are going to out themselves. They're going to come out. And they are going to say UFOs are real and they are going to drop the disclosure thing. 2016. If you remember Hillary Clinton, May of 2016, she appears on the Kimmel show. Remember the the WikiLeaks thing with the dump where she was going to go on in in November of 2015. And she had this little speech all prepared and she was really angry because she didn't get on Kimmel show. I practiced this speech and and I didn't get on. So she didn't go on until May of 2016. And she sits in front of Kimmel. She says, you know, they're not called UFOs anymore. They're called UAPs. 
That's the new nomenclature. Now right. go back. Now look back and realize no, who knew they were called the UAPs. Wait, wait. I just want to jump in there. She says, Kimmel says, well, I like UFOs. She goes, yeah, I like UFOs too. I mean, what's the difference? She was told to say that. She didn't yeah. come up with that on her own. Who told Hillary to officially announce UAPs to the public instead of you? Who was behind the scenes there? Okay, so what I was what I was told back in 2016, when the, and I say you got to go back, and Tom DeLong is taking credit for this. If you go to Tom DeLong's tweets, and he's he's right, he is the guy that's behind this whole thing. It starts in 2015. Tom DeLong gets invited to a barbecue at Lockheed Skunk Works to the to the, the having a barbecue in the parking lot. Now, why would you bring in Tom DeLong to introduce? Robert Weiss, the head of Lockheed Skunk Works. And right. so he gets brought in there and he says, well, I'd like to meet with the guy for five minutes and talk. And they take him to the skiff, the Lockheed skiff. And in the Lockheed skiff, they talk about consciousness and they, they, and he gives them the little spiel. You guys aren't getting this thing out. You need to, you need to have me because the young people don't understand you guys. You don't know how to tweet. You don't know how to do Instagram and stuff. And then the one guy says the keywords, he says, this may actually work. <laughs> and he said, we'll let you know. And in two weeks they give him the phone call and he get, he's told to meet outside the pentagon so they're all saying oh he made this thing no no they gave him all this stuff this is this is bill moore this is the new messiah from bill mm -hmm. moore now it's tom DeLong. he meets with these guys in this building outside the in the, the, the pentagon and they say to him you know things like this do not happen at the white house things like this do not happen on the hill they happen when people like us sitting at this table decide to take the football and move it down the field and they send him to nasa and he meets with nasa wait wait wait, wait who who are those guys that are deciding who who actually are those guys it was it, it, delong identified them as intelligence people that he met with in this big, this big room out in in just by themselves okay. and they sat on one side of the table he sat on the other side they send him to NASA. NASA sends him to Ames. Ames sends him to McKay, the the, the General McKay, and then mm. they send him to McCaslin. So Robert Weiss gets on board. McCaslin gets on board, and so does McKay get on board. And what happens is they're ready to drop this thing. And if you take a look at the WikiLeaks, McCaslin I actually writes an email as to what was going to happen when disclosure. You hand it off to NASA, and he has all this this long memo about what to do when the disclosure thing happens. And mm -hmm. then what happens? They leak the WikiLeaks emails, and these guys are all outed, and they got to go back in the closet again. So these guys all disappear. Hillary loses the election. So I contacted my sources when they lost the election. I said, you told me they were going to drop this thing. And it was like Hillary was behind it. She had made a promise to John Podesta. John Podesta said Hillary promised she was going to go after it. And Hillary never answered. Hillary never brought it up on the campaign, but she answered the question three times. And she said, yes, I'm going after this. I'm going to open this thing up. And they said, well, Bill tried and he couldn't get anything. She said, well, I'm going to try again. So yes. this was all planned under Hillary. And then she lost the election. The WikiLeaks, all the top guys were outed. They had to take the thing back under. So I went to my source as soon as Hillary lost. I said, okay, is it over? Are they, are they, they're not going to drop it? He said, no, the plan is still on. There's a lot of people involved. It's bigger than ever. So it took them till October of 2017. Then they bring, they bring Tom DeLong brings all these guys. I named Semivan in that book in 2000, early 2017. Right. And if you, if you take a look at Tom DeLong's account, he said when he put, first put his first book out, identifying that he had these inside people, he gets contacted and he gets taken to a hotel room in San Diego. And there's six intelligence agents. Now, one of them, I guarantee you, was Jim Semivan. And they're going... 
Like, how do you know this stuff? Who are you talking to? And then they join him. So they join him and he gets all these people that are joining him and they realize this is the way to move this thing out. Because what you got to remember is that a lot of these people, it's not really the government, it's people inside the government, like Jim Semivan, who may have had an experience with the beings in the room, mm -hmm. uh, guys who want this game out and they know you've got to move it and they can move it out. And they have forces trying to stop them from bringing right. it out. So, so they got it out. They did the December 17th, Leslie King, Ralph Blumenthal. Right. Well, for, okay. well, but, for, but first, you got to remember, okay. first, they, they do the, the October the 11th right. news conference. So do I talked stars. to Ron Pandolfi. I put a message through to Ron Pandolfi. And it comes back that afternoon. And he said, I know all these guys. They've been in the Mellon's been in UFO since the 1980s. He said, I knew all these guys. And, and so they do that. But if you take a look, when you see the video thing, the, the videos that were leaked, right. and that was always the thing I said, people said, Oh, they, they, they released them. No, no. How do you get the videos out? I don't care if they're classified, unclassified, even if they're unclassified, how do you get them over the wall? When you resign from the department of defense and disgust, they don't give you the videos as a goodbye present. Right. If you take a look at that stuff that leaked on Mellon's website. They have the, 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 the handling case and the woman, there was a woman, her name was, uh, I never remember her name, but, uh, X, X, uh, Exxon was her last name or, uh, anyway, there's a name on there and then Lou Alessandro's name and Mellon's name. And you see the four discs that have the, the videos on them. If you right. take a look at the date on that, it's September of 2017, the month before they went public with T to the stars announcement. So they had the videos already before they had the, 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 the thing before Cause Elizondo doesn't resign until October the 4th, the week before. So Lou, they, Lou had those videos before, and then they have the news conference. And then if you see when they, when they go to the, the December 17th, what I say, people always forget there is the oh, fact that, or, or one more thing, when, when the interview took place, if Wait. you look at the December 18th, New York Times article, yeah. so you have the yeah. 16th article, two days later, Blumenthal writes another article, and he talks about how Leslie went in to talk to mm -hmm. Elizondo in wherever it was in Washington, got flown to Washington, and mm -hmm. that she, he met with, she, he met, she met with Lou Elizondo and a bunch of other former and present intelligence officers and a contractor. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just Lou Elizondo in the room. Now we know Semivan was in the room and we know Hal Putoff was in the room. So this is, Wait, the I'm just gonna share, this is the package you're talking about that was either sneaked yeah. out of the Pentagon or yeah, Rhonda or, her, her name is Rhonda Essex. Right. And was this sneaked out? Was this given to Mellon? Was this well, Mellon said it was given to him in the parking lot? Right. But this is planned from the Pentagon itself to give Mellon these videos that then were released. Yeah. And you'll see it's be you'll see it's the month before Tom DeLong has his news conference. So they've right. already got the videos before Elizondo resigns. Elizondo does not resign until October. This is September. He's already, so already videos out. Are these videos? So you're saying basically it's all really planned by the Pentagon. This is not Elizondo so acting on his own. Acting on his yeah, own. Well, I'm saying I'm saying that my my I'm just guessing. I'm saying that Lou Elizondo is a representative of people that he may have been time to resign. Uh, Tom DeLong says I hired Lou Elizondo away. I got that on tape. He said mm -hmm. I hired Lou Elizondo away. So the idea was Lou Elizondo was frustrated. He left the Pentagon or whatever. Now now you hear the stories that Lou Elizondo has been on. A, he 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 put a Twitter uh, a posting out. I'm coming from Washington. So what's he doing in Washington? And then I heard that he'd been in a in a in a in a, in a skiff. If he's been in a skiff in the last six weeks, what's then he's skip? still working with what, somebody. Well, a skiff is a sensitive compartmentalized information facility. So if they're so going to give you a briefing, he's still working for the Pentagon, and, that, and he's that's be, a potential. Yeah, that's he's potential. a double agent. 
And he's like, well, I don't know if it was a double agent, but there was a thing that was told about Jim Semivan. When Jim Semivan left, the story mm -hmm. I heard that Jim Semivan, when he had his experience in the, and he had the beings in the room with his wife, and he goes right. in and he talks to Pendolfi, and he says, I need to know what happened last night. Pendolfi says, You have a need to know. He said, I have a need to know. He's head of covert ops for the CIA. He said, you bring your boss's boss in here. Well, she doesn't have a need to know. And, the, and apparently they bring in the director and he says, leave it alone, Jim. This this will ruin your career. Pretend it's a one-off. Don't, don't, don't get involved in this thing. It'll ruin your career. And what I was told is that when he retired in 2008, that's when he told him what was going on, which agrees with what Kit Green said to to Dolan, that when you're in the government, you don't have a very high security clearance, but when you leave, then they give you the security clearance when you go to work for a contractor. So this- No, one more thing. So I want you to- retire. I they want you to continue guys. that, except now they've thrown DeLong under the bus and Elizondo and Mellon are out there on their own. What happened to DeLong? Did he just serve his function as getting it public and they dropped him? Yeah, well, there, there's all sorts of stories about uh, Lou losing money, and uh, it, El, uh, Sheehan's talking about the fact that they wanted to push the threat scenario, and, and that's when Se uh, Sheehan said to Lou, well, you don't believe this stuff about the threat. Be careful. If that if you're not, it's not your message, why are you putting the message out? If you're putting this out, you're going to get yourself in a box, and you can't get out of the box by talking about this threat thing. And he claims that they didn't believe it, that Mellon and El Elizondo didn't believe the threat scenario, and that mm -hmm. they left, but he talks about going into second gear. When it first happened, I said, um, you know, did the, the, the Senate thing was, and I said that was tied into the Senate, that they'd gotten this thing through the Senate and they, they were, they, that was rolling. So the idea was to go to, to uh, Tom DeLong, then you go to the Senate, because Tom, Tom DeLong's taking credit for all the Senate stuff. So you got the Senate, then we don't need DeLong anymore. DeLong's going to go make money on movies and stuff like that. And DeLong made some stupid statements where he was always sort of like, I put the one where he talked about the threat, where the jet, where these, he my, he says, my, uh, I just posted a couple of days ago where, uh, and this came off the Jimmy Church interview from 2016 with Tom DeLong. He says, my, my military advisors, you know what they say when they look at each other? This is a perfect recipe for war. That's what they say. That's what Tom DeLong said. And that's the whole thing is that, that's the scenario because Tom DeLong hates grays. He, he's the way he, he had this impression about we should use nuclear weapons high in the atmosphere. To oh, yeah. he, EMP he's to buying the evil alien thing. And no. and as Elizondo said, well, the higher ups aren't don't consider this a threat. Why? Yeah. Why would Tom DeLong consider it a threat when he knows practically nothing? Yeah, yeah, and they don't. So they don't need. They don't need Tom DeLong anymore. They've got right. the the Congress thing, and they're moving the Congress. That second gear is the Congress thing. All right, and we'll come back. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I just want to comment by Steve. No, uh, Grant, but stay with yeah. us. Yeah, okay. hopefully yes, you can Steve. hear me. Uh, you know the Tom DeLong angle. He's an entertainer. Uh, war and that sells. You know, peace and consciousness doesn't. Uh, so I, you know, Tom DeLong is just a big false flag. He's an entertainer trying to sell product. I well, mean, uh, I think he's into the UFOs. He wanted it to come out, but he's, sure, there's no UFOs use for he, he, Well, I think he launched the, the, to the stars. And now these guys are the stars, Elizondo, Roderick, any comment from you well, about it? Is, uh, is, right. is Peter Lavenda, if we can go in that direction. Well, think, uh, he's he's a non-entity in a way right now, I think. But wait, Roderick, any comments about anything uh, Grant has said? No, you know what? I, I I listen to all of it. And I, you know, for me, it's it's one of those things. You know, we 
uh, spend so much time of saying there's a threat out there, but then on the other side, we're trying to spend so much money to get out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And That's- so, it, it, you know, you get what I'm saying. It's like telling your mm-hmm. kids don't go outside. The monster's there, but then you're going out the back door to feed it, you know? And right. so I think, you know, with what we're seeing, um, you know, of course, with me coming coming through the ranks of you guys and learning more and more and more, mm-hmm. you know, that rabbit hole is deep. And sometimes we can't really figure out what's going on. So, you know, yeah, I've heard that, yeah, that Lou was thrown under the bus now. You know, of course, I can hear the different theories. And, and but, you know, when you think about Tom DeLong and people who I've just watched on TV, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now as you get closer to it, it's like, what's really happening? <laughs> you know, well, that's what we're all trying to figure out. And Pendolfi, what is Pendolfi's relationship or feeling about Elizondo? Because Pendolfi has a lot of the keys. He's he runs the weird deaths for um, the government. So go well, ahead, Grant. My concern, and maybe all of y'all can help me with this, yeah. is, I mean, there's things flying around. We don't know what it is, and, and we don't and. and why we're we not just saying, okay, there's things flying around, but yeah, yet, well, that's the bottom line. How come they're treating us like children? Though you're not yeah. allowed to hear the truth. It's like we are we're more grown up than these government people. And, maybe. and, and, and it's almost mm-hmm. to a point the question mm-hmm. is, what do we need to hear? You know, it's like, okay, Lou has all this information. Mm-hmm. What difference does it make? I mean, other than what do we really need to know? in here you know we need to know everything from 1947 onward no matter what happened so so go ahead grant so what let let me me point on that what why is the cover-up um if you know i wrote a book called ufos area 51 and government informants and we dealt for eight years with dr eric walker who was the former president of penn state university he knew exactly what was going on he was there when it started he knew vannevar bush he knew all the guys we're pressuring we said you're an old man Come on, tell us what's going on. And he said to me, hey, this is just curiosity. Admit it. You're just curious. That's all it is. And yes. and then he said, why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity? That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And the key is, so if you're a military guy, you got to remember, it's, it's, these, it's not a, a unified government. It's these pieces that are fighting against for a budget and stuff. So you have the, the military guys who say, we're not going to release this because if we put our stuff on the table, we're going to give it to the Russians the Chinese and every other evil people, I mean, all the Mexicans and everybody's going to, you know, go after it. So those people are playing their game. They're not going to put it on the table and they're not, they don't care if you're curious or what Bush said to, to Carter, when Carter asked for the UFO files for the public, not for himself, he'd get the files, but for the public, Bush, who was uh, Bush senior, who's briefing him as the CIA director said, curiosity is not sufficient need to know. And so mm. curiosity, they don't care if anybody's curious. We're the military. We're going to build weapons out of this thing. We're not going to let the Russians get it. And the other one I keep reminding people of is, is this idea that you need a patent, that the guys who are at the leading edge of this thing realize, because the one patent that I heard that was gotten, the company sold for $100 bucks, And this was a, an invention the guy got in his head. He believed he got from the beings. And the company was sold for, and I don't know how much the, the patent was the invention, but there's a lot of money in, in, these, in this whole deal. This is leading edge science. So you have the, the patent people, the, the, the people are working on it, the government's not going to release it. 
What was the invention? Steve asked, what was that invention that sold for a hundred million? It, it had to do, it's in Diane Pasolka's book. It's, it's Tyler D who I talked to. And I remember him telling me about the invention. He said, you know, Grant, I had that idea come in my head that morning when I woke up, the last thing I remember the night before was a hooded figure standing at the end of the bed. I said, really? Could you see its face? And he goes, no, I couldn't see its face. I said, you should go to Avon Smith. You go to LA all the time. You should be regressed. And he said, well, maybe I, I'll try to do that. I want to, because I said, you should find what the what the being was talking to you about. So it was an invention that had to do with uh, uh, metal being put into uh, joints, as I understand it. And it doesn't reject. It's like you, this, this whole what? thing. But well, he's got 40 patents that he got from the beings. Well, if, if you read The Day After Roswell, uh, Colonel Corso talks about all the reverse engineering, the microchip, everything that came out of the crash retrievals. That well, but, but Valet discounts that. If you see the latest interview Valet did on his on his Trinity book, he said, no, that wasn't true. He knew he knew all these guys. He, and he talked about the guy that invented the microprocessor. He got in a dream and Valet knows the guy really well. And so he so, said, like, a lot of that stuff. Why, he, he would Cor why would Corso say that it was reverse engineered ET technology then? Actually, according to Linda Moulton House, she just did a program about Corso. Anyway. Well, they do. They do. Valet admits that they put that stuff into, into, um, into industry. But he talked about the one guy who got a piece of UFO or whatever. And Valet talked to him like, what, 20 years later or whatever. And he said, and the guy said, well, wasn't he still under security? He said, no, they didn't know what to do with it. They had it and they had it for like 20 years to couldn't figure out what to do with it. So there may be this, this back engine. Valet claims that the metals, that they've gotten technology through the metals. You've been able to work something through the metals. But the, even John Alexander said that we know the history of, of uh, the, uh, the eye thing with the, um, the night vision stuff. And that's all sort of tracked. So I, I'm not sure that Corso stuff. Corso wanted, um, he was involved, but a lot of people said that he, he would add things to the stories and stuff like that and wanted to take credit for all this kind of stuff. I, I'm not sure if I believe the back engineering Corso stuff. Okay, Steve, what do you want to say, Steve? Yeah. Robert Cray of the Cray Supercomputers. Everybody remembers that pretty early uh, supercomputer. Robert Cray was asked where he got his ideas for the, uh, the for the computer, and he said, "I go into my basement. I have a tunnel. I dig in the tunnel, and I communicate with the elves, and they give me the information to build the supercomputer." And they said, "Oh, yeah. you're kidding me!" And Robert Cray said, "No, I'm not kidding. That's how I get my information." Uh, right. so, uh, I'll just say that. I Wait, you muted yourself, Steve. Oh, but anyway. Yeah, uh, uh so, okay. but, uh, so the idea of uh, uh, extra human intelligence is giving people technology is, you know, uh, centuries old. Uh, right. Kekule. No, of course. Yeah. We think we even got writing from the gods and all agriculture in some mythologies. They I, wrote, I wrote a whole book. It's called Inspired. I wrote a book, a whole book on this. Mm. The, the paranormal world of creativity. How many dreams came? I got 13 Nobel Prizes that came from... 40, 42% of all experiencers say at one point uh, they have mathematical, scientific, or technical material in their head that they did not learn in school. The free, the Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation actually had a, a board of physicists at one point who was looking at downloads that were given to experiencers to try to figure out whether there was some technology that could be, they've, they've disassembled the board, but um, right. that's quite common. 42% of all experiencers have this these downloads that they're getting. But let's go back to the Elizondo question. What do you think he wants? If we can understand, like through Danny Sheen, through those, Grant, where, where's he at ultimately? What does he want? 
I, I think he honestly wants the, the thing out. I think it was the idea that when they met with him and on October the 4th, 2017, there was a bunch of people in the room and he was the guy. He was like the new Messiah. You're going to you're going to retire because it's always retired people. Whether it's the Bill Moore thing, it was a retired CIA counterintelligence officer. Elizana, uh, Jim, Jim Semivan didn't get involved till he's retired. They're all retired because they have this plausible deniability and they operate. So I think Elizondo is the front guy. He's a very popular guy. He's the everybody wants to talk to him in the in the media, and he's the guy that's carrying the the water for this disclosure initiative. And uh, I, I'm not sure who's exactly behind it, but. Um, there, but, when you when you hear about stories about being in a skiff or him being in Washington or he he, he when he reverts to his client, he says, I can't talk about um, uh, that because of my non-disclosure agreement. They'll throw me in jail. So then the question is, OK, so who are they? Somebody they right. have to know what the classified material is. So he right. has somebody above him that knows when he's on and he'll say, I, I can. And then he'll leak something out. He'll leak something out. He'll leak something out. And it's it's almost like he has to go back and. Can I talk about this now? Then they say, okay, go tell them this piece. Well, a, well who, one who are they? Who are the they? These are the people who have been in control since 47 and before. Who do you think these are? I, I think they're interested people in the government that want it out. They, the people who are, they, they, Greer always used to talk about that, that there was this fight between the old guys and the new guys, and they would have a vote. The MJ-12s would have a vote as to whether to disclosure. And that at one point, it suddenly went to there was more people voting for it than against it. So, but the way is, the way they do it is they have to release it with this gradual disclosure. They, you can't just drop it all because you lose control of the story. So it's like with Jimmy, what, um, Danny Sheehan talked about it's called he, he talks about semi van and Kit Green and all these guys. And he said it's like a limited hangout, like the Nixon, the Nixon thing. We'll give them some stuff, but they still don't know what's going on. We just li li leave out little bits and pieces. And that he calls it the limited hangout. You just throw it out there and see how people react. And people, you gradually move them from step to step to step. So I would say it's people that are interested. I don't think there's a, a direct policy. It may have been a policy because if you remember, they asked Barack Obama, did you did you go for the information? And he said, yes, I did. Was it withheld from you? No, it was not. It took a while to get. But yes. Well, what? I'm not talking about it. So mm -hmm. it would something where where you look the other way, where Barack Obama says to John Podesta, I can't do it, but go ahead with it. We have this program. OK, go ahead. I acknowledge the program, because if you remember, you go back to to um, conversation that took place between uh, Lawrence Rockefeller and Bill Clinton. This is a key thing. Rockefeller tried to get to the president. He couldn't get to the president because, as Ron Pendolfi says, the president cannot be a player. If he, if he, if the president goes down, everything goes down. So the president's not a player. So it's always like, well, the president's not involved. He doesn't know what's going on. He's a stupid guy. So what happened in the Rockefeller initiative was Rockefeller was going to the science advisor. That's as far as he could get. And then Hillary Clinton was the, the post office. So Hillary Clinton, and I could never figure why is Hillary Clinton the post office? Everything that went from Lawrence to the advisor, from the advisor back to Lawrence went to Hillary's office. I couldn't figure it out. And it said, I realized it's plausible deniability. Clinton can't be involved so she goes to bill at night and she says rockefeller wants this rockefeller wants that this is the thing okay do this it's all plausible deniability it's hillary telling the president at nighttime what's going on and bill talked about that so when rockefeller tried to get the briefing and he could never get the briefing he threatened this full page newspaper article and stuff and they would they would try to appease him and stuff so he finally gets uh, clinton at the ranch 
in August, in August of 1995, and he does the briefing. If you heard the story, the briefing, Hillary shows up for the briefing. And it's not really a briefing because it's, it's Rockefeller. It's not a, an official briefing. Bill was not involved. Again, the president cannot be involved. And as soon as it was over, the next morning, Hillary claimed to Rockefeller. And she said, OK, we've listened to your story. We've listened to your complaint, your story. Don't ever bring up the subject again. That same day, Bill Clinton was walking around the ranch with Lawrence Rockefeller. And he said to Lawrence, according to Whitley Strieber, he said to, to Lawrence, he said, you know, this UFO thing. It's like the Arkansas tar baby story. Do you know that story? And everybody knows the story. The Arkansas tar baby, the tar baby's on the side of the street. And I can't remember the character's name. He goes by and he says, hello. And the tar baby's just standing there and not doing anything. He says, he gets mad and he punches the tar baby and he gets his hand stuck to the tar baby. And then he punches him with the other hand, his other hand stuck. And then he uses his feet to try to get, to get his hands off the tar baby. And he's completely stuck to the tar baby. And the more he fights, the more he gets stuck to the tar baby. And that's what Clinton said. It's like the tar baby. I can't touch the story. Wow. And that's the whole thing. So, so there's a, an approval coming from the president down through, through say, John Podesta or somebody. They get the ball moving, and the president just looks the other way because he can't mm -hmm. he can't be a player in the game. So, but I say this has been going on forever. I mean, well, they did it with with uh, all sorts of people. Bill Moore. They did it with uh, Emmenager in the 1970s. They've been dropping this limited well, hangout thing for many many right. centuries. Right, right. Decades. Henrietta, do you have a question there, Henrietta? You raised your you. Did you have something you wanted to say? Because, uh, well, what? Okay. So, Grant, where do you think this is going? Alessandro says on the Stephen Green Street Part 2, we're going to get some big um, bombs dropped or big uh, revelations happening in, in 30 days. Uh, he already said, let me just back it up. You know, the first question the guy from CBS asked Alessandro is, Hey, is this thing real? And Alessandro says, come on, Bill, we're past that already. The government has acknowledged this is real. So what more can they tell us? They're not going to tell us people have been abducted. They're not going to. What are they going to say that they haven't said already? Do you think, Grant? Well, they're going to show maybe these triangle videos, these latest ones where these these pyramids are flying around. The, the photograph of the, uh, the object coming out of the water near the submarine. You may get that kind of stuff. They're just going to say more and more. Yeah, there have been a lot of uh, reports. Uh, people can report this kind of stuff. They're going to open up and make a, a, a bigger emission. It's, it's going to be another step, another step. They're, not, they're never going to make the big step and drop at all. This is a gradual disclosure initiative where they always have to keep control of the story. Well, how come July 23rd, 2020, Eric Davis, New York Times reports, Eric Davis briefing the Senate Intelligence Committee yeah. on crash retrievals. That's big. Oh, they have crash retrievals. And when do we get to have them rolled out and look at them? I mean, but they've already admitted there's crash. The New York Times printed that. So, I mean, not that it's true if the New York Times printed it, but there's something else that they have that they oh, could. Yeah. Oh, they I mean, have like, I mean, they probably have 10,000 videos and uh, all sorts of crafts and stuff. <laughs> Uh, so they may they may release that we have some material, but it's classified. They're they're just going to drag it out. It's going to take a couple of years. I think they're going to get it. I think they've got the Lou Elizondo and these guys. They sound pretty confident. Like they they say we're following a like a playbook. We're moving right. to this. We it's all planned. And that's what I was told in 2016. Let me give you an example. In 2016, I was told they're going to put the big man on 60 Minutes. Guess what? They just did it. I was told that already, and it was going to be Jim Semivan that was going to go on TV and uh, and and expose that I'm a high level government guy. I had an experience, and this is for real. 
And then Lou Alessandro came on. Now Lou Alessandro's the new guy. But all this stuff has been done before. I mean, the, the 60 minutes thing I was told, the thing that these high-level officials are going to are going to come out and expose themselves, this all happened exactly why I said it in this book in 2017. Right. right, but we're still dealing with the surface that there are craft here. Like my book, you know, that you're part of, goes into like the experiences. Are we ever going to get to the abductions, to the contact, to the genetic information? I mean, is that 100 years down the line in the disclosure um, outline? I mean, when is that coming out? Um, you well, you see, but, but you got to see now that the, the, it's the armed services and intelligence. So they're going to be sticking to the, the hardware. How does they fly? That sort of stuff. Um, it's going to it's going to move because the pressure comes from the people. The government doesn't. It's like uh, Stephen Greer was told by the one Republican congressman back in the 1990s. He said, we can't touch this thing. You get it going. And we'll and we'll jump in and lead the parade. So the, the military, they go like the side, you know, the politicians, they, they see, is this worth votes? Is this a popular issue? And what's going to happen with this opening is that a bunch of experiences are going to come forward and they're going to start talking about the messages. And that's what Danny Sheehan. That's why I asked the question. I asked Danny Sheehan. So what is the message? And he said, the message is very clear. The nukes, and this may be a big thing that they're, they're going to drag back, is the nukes. They want the nukes turned off. This is a big thing because you're going to destroy not this only this planet, but the oneness of the universe. It vibrates through the universe, and they right. want us to stop polluting the, the, the environment. So those issues are going to get a higher thing because the, now the, the experiencers and the people from below are no longer ridiculed. They're going to come, and they're going to start putting pressure on the government to tell our story. Right now, it's right. the military. you got to remember, this is a military operation. Lou Elizondo, uh, Mellon was military. Uh, uh, and, and Semivan was it was intelligence. This is all this this uh, getting weapons and stuff like that. But it, it's going to allow other people because yeah. the bottom line of, of why I think they they can't really release a lot of this stuff is because they have not got a clue. They, they have not got a clue right. how consciousness right. works. They haven't got a clue how these things. In, in the Wilson leak document, which Valet talks about in his latest book, the Wilson leak document. At the very the end of the document, it says we have a craft. We think we can fly it. And what's that mean? It means it got a craft and they can't turn it on because it needs a consciousness interface. And that's the whole deal is those kind of issues are now going to swirl up that it gives us the, the power because it's all been acknowledged that it's all for real. Then we're you and I, exactly the question you and I are asking is, how about the abductions? How about the messages? How about the nukes? And then the pressure starts on there and that will take a while to funnel up and they're going to have to address that. But right now they're not going to address it because we're not putting any pressure on that question. Right now it's it's in the armed services and the intelligence committees. Well, Steve, did you have something to say? Because I want to know how you can, do you think, oh, go ahead, Steve, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Grant, when you, you, you use the word control the story, and that brought to mind uh, what Pasolka said. I dislike Pasolka intensely. I think it's a total scam. But what she <laughs> said in, in, this, in the New York Times article was she said the narrative grab. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a really important term. Uh, she grabs the narrative. I mean, she's saying that though it was ironic she uses that term. So the narrative grab and this kind of, we were talking about words creating reality, let's say, you know, so yeah. the more we put the words out there, the more we create a reality with them. And yeah. these narratives that people are creating, I believe for profit, because it's either profit, it's either create or consume, or either creating, using the experience as a creative thing, or using the experience to make it a consumer product. Mm -hmm. And I see so much of this as being a consumer product, creating churn to make product. And I'm just What's curious. What's the like, product, Steve? 
where does the magic angle come and cross the technology? If you can go into that a little bit. The ma- well, one thing I would say about that is uh, you have to go back to look at how this thing all sort of unraveled. And that is that in World War II, we had 200 inventions that came from World War II. And Vannevar Bush, the guy that ran the UFO program, was in charge of them all. The atomic bomb, uh, nylon, uh, synthetic rubber, uh, plastic explosives, jet engines. And so the, the way the America has turned, before World War II, scientists were like Max Planck and, and Niels Bohr and guys like that, where they were looking at the philosophical, philosophical, philosophical implications of quantum physics. And as soon as the war came, then it was like, whoa, we can make technology with this stuff. And as soon as the war was over, they realized they kept it. There was a group called the, the Research and Development Board inside the military, and it was the Weapons Board. And they kept that together. They realized that this is how you could develop technology. So that's the way they see it, is that we're going to develop military technology with whatever we've got. We get all the leading edge stuff and that. This will all funnel into society. So they'll say, we take credit for the computer. That was ARPANET. The computer was ARPANET. It was a, a thing where they had all these mo- these mo- modules where they have a computer here, a computer there. All the material was not in one computer, all the information. It was nowhere. That's why ARPANET was built, to stop the Russians from bombing the computer. And that became the Internet. So that's the way they look at it. They say, in 100 years, you'll thank us for this we've got it all covered up but all this technology will spin off into the public that's how it has worked since world war ii that all most of the technology we've got has come from military development wow so this is the next can you talk about maria orsic maria orsic do you know about her grant the name's name's familiar remind me the name's okay well maria orsic was the nazi medium who channeled the information to create the bell the Vril, the Vril, that was Vril, right, Steve? No, the bell, the bell, the, the, the bell. flying bell. Oh, I the thought they were bell. part of the Vril. The flying bell UFO. Yeah, she uh-huh. was a Vril And Maria was part of the yeah. Vril Society. Yeah. Yeah. And who and, was she? Uh, Dave. Oh, wait, Dave, go ahead. Who was, uh, what about? Uh, I was just saying, I was saying Alan, Alan's right. And I think, Steve, you just said it. Yeah, she was. She was a, a medium, but she was uh, considered but, a Vril maiden. What, what so, about that, Steve? So what? What she, are you saying? She channeled the information to make the German UFOs. Okay. So what about that? So, so again, the magic and technology angle crossing. Uh, Maria Vosik was also involved with the Vril Society. And to mm. speak of narratives, I go back to Bulwer Lytton, who coined the term Vril. And Bulwer Lytton being, uh, I think, intersectional between politics, the uh, writing, and uh, magic. He was yeah, but, he was best friends with Elephant Sleep. Right, but I want to stick with the disclosure angle because I want to see what Grant's professional ideas are about. Okay, Lelizondo said on national TV in front of 200 million people, UFOs are real. We're already beyond that. When do we get to the public hearing, sort of like what Stephen Bassett put together? Does that is that down the road, you think, okay, people coming forward like yourself and, you know, maybe even Whitley Streep or Linda Moulton Howe and saying, okay, we've been studying this. When does that happen? What, what is the phase of rollout as you see? And let's say you were, you were Pendolfi. How would you plan it out, rolling out? Well, he may actually have planned it. You, you mentioned something before about what was his opinion and what he says and I used to think he was kind of crazy, but he, since day one, since Tom DeLong's first news conference, he said the same thing every time. 
This is just another techno scam. He said, these guys put off green, all these guys, they've been scamming people forever. And it's not so much a, a scam to me. It's like, if you go and say, Alan, I got a cure to cancer. I'm, I, I've got it. And I've got to convince you I've got it, but I need a billion dollars. So it's not so much like, so Hal thinks he's got a, he can build this thing. He's got technology, but you need some money. So what Pandolfi said they had done is they'd run around and they went after billionaires, the way he described it. They went after billionaires who would rather put their money in some crazy idea than pay their damn taxes. And, mm-hmm. and so then they ran out of billionaires. They went after the church's chicken guy. They, they, he was a billionaire. They went after him. They went after Bombardier. They went after Joe Firmage and all these guys with lots of money. And Herman. now they're running out of Herman. billionaires and now they've gone to the government to get money from the government because the government's got a $735 billion defense budget. So, so whatever you think about Pendolfi, he has said the same thing all the way through since that first news conference by Tom DeLong. This is a techno scam. Give your head a shake. And what he's basically saying is there is no technology that they're just pretending they've got on the edge of technology. And he keeps hinting at this thing with the portal, that the, the portal is the actual uh, uh, stuff that they that somebody may have. Oh, yeah, so that's, yeah. That's interesting. I want you to maybe go on Roderick's Clubhouse one day and talk about what's behind the whole UFO thing, which is the portal technology. This is what Grant always comes back to. It comes down to this. In, I guess, interdimensional possibilities, right, Grant? Yeah, because if you take a look at Joe Furmish, and we know Joe Furmish for sure, because the guy that was in Skinwalker, they were on Skinwalker Ranch now, uh, Brandon Fugel, he was at this one big test. There's a test that's online that shows they, they have this thing that Furmage has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the question is, so if he's got all this money and he's got intelligence connections, he told me he had intelligence connections. He's got Ron Pendolfi as a friend. Like, why would you not go buy your technology from the government? If they've got anti-gravity technology, why would you do it? So he's got this thing with these gyros and these gyros are flipping around and they got the test and you can see how put off there. And you can see Brandon Fugel in the, in the, in the picture and they've got a hook on this thing. And they're doing the same thing the Canadians did in the 1950s. They're weighing this thing. And they're, they're spinning these gyros and the weight will go down by one or two percent or something to it's a gravity control experiment. But they, they and the whole idea is if they can't levitate this thing one inch off the table, you're telling me they got UFOs, UFOs that the government is flying around. Firmage had a lot of money. He had all sorts of government connections. If they had it, him and Bigelow would not have pulled out. Bigelow, why did Bigelow pull out? Because he basically uh, understood that there was no money to be made. This thing is way beyond us. And that's what you see over and over again is so far beyond us that, that, that there's no way we're going to, to do it. And they're just, they're just trying to get some money because. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, My friend, Creon Levin, who was a NASA scientist of 30 years, was the lead scientist behind Firmage's initiative behind zero point energy. Creon traveled the world with Firmage and looked and did test for zero point energy and none of it came out the last one that came out was the one from ireland i'm forgetting the name of it and that turned out to be a big fraud too but creon now does satellite technology but he was firmage's chief scientist all right that's the key is is if guys like that haven't got it they ain't got it no matter what people are telling you what kind of technology they got that they don't have because uh you see it over and over again or if valet says they asked him, do you think they got the technology? He said, if they had the technology, they wouldn't still be building rockets. I mean, this, the, you got to take a look at it. So right. this is what it is. It's trying to move it into the white world because the problem they've got, and this may be part of what, what uh, guys and like uh, put off and uh, 
uh, um, Elizondo and all these guys that were in the government are frustrated who want to put it out was this the idea of stovepiping that if you and Valet talks about this so if you get a piece of a, a UFO then they give Alan the door they give you know Steve the uh, you know the council and stuff and everybody's got it and they don't know what it's coming where it's coming from and none of us guys are talking to each other and the whole thing breaks up because it's got the stovepiping if you get it into the white world there's no more stovepiping and people can talk to each other and solve the problem well, that's why what you just said, Gren, is why I don't buy Richard Dolan, great guy, greatest star, and his whole breakaway civilization idea and the whole Mars you know, colonies that the guy in Israel said. It doesn't make sense that that exists, that they're sending people. To, I, I mean, I don't see any evidence from that. From, I mean, it's nice to talk about there's a breakaway civilization scouting the, the solar system with trade. It just doesn't make sense with what I've talked to about with people, right? And, mean, and, and what happens there, I'll give you an example there mm-hmm. to show you this idea of the consciousness thing. I had this meeting with Tyler, Tyler D from the mm-hmm. famous from uh, Diane Pasolka's book, American Cosmic. He's the, the NASA guys in this room. They have this thing beside it. And, and he's got the, all these patents and he sits in the talks of the beings. He has this contact modality where he sits with a glass of water in the sun and he drinks it and he he gets these inventions and stuff like that. I had a meeting with him in 2013 in a, in a cabin in, in Pennsylvania. And he had his cell phone. He showed, that's another story. He shows me a cell phone. He says, wait, look at this. And there's this, this painting of these guys and they're flying through space. And it looks like they've got pajamas on. And then one guy looks older and one guy looks younger and they're flying. He says, what do you think of this? And I like that. I go, I don't know. And he, and then he shows me a photograph of uh, uh, some paintings of a an eclipse taking place like three different paintings as the eclipse takes place then he shows me this picture of uh, a painting with these balls big balls going into these small balls he says what do you think of that i said i, said, I don't know i have no idea why you're showing me these things he said you know where that is i said no and then oh no first he said then he showed me this thing on top of a parkade he shows me this 56 or 57 chev on top of a parkade he says look in the back seat there's a postcard in the back seat it was there when i was there you know what it says and it talked about this guy with his girlfriend i wish i could travel across time and space to be with you i said that's what it said he said yeah that's what the postcard said so then he then he says you know what this is i says i know i don't know he says it's a Hughes aircraft building in la and i go still don't know what you're talking about i have no idea he says you know what was there and i said what he said the jump room I said, let me see those photographs again. And it shows but, me these so, but, is, so the, but how do you know he wasn't that? Is there really a jump room? Come on, Graham. Okay. Well, I wouldn't have believed it. But the question is, this is the Paintings top guy. Paintings and postcards, is- Grant. Paintings and postcards. And okay, okay, but go, let him finish. Let him, let him finish, Steve. Steve. Let me finish. So Thanks. the question is, and he said, he said, you know where the painting is? The, paint, the painting with the guys flying through space? which doesn't make any sense. And then when he tells you what it is, you go, oh, that's, and he said, it's, it's outside the elevator. And, and so then it's, it takes me two years and suddenly I'm thinking to myself, why would he show me those photographs? Why would he go to the building? If this is all garbage, what is this top NASA guy doing in the Hughes Aircraft Building taking photographs? And he said to me, he said, when you go there, watch out for the, the security guard. There's a security guard. And when I went there, first time I got to LAX, man, I was on a bus, man. Over, it's 999 Sepulveda Avenue. Anybody can go there and look. These paintings are still there. And I actually went to Andy, Andy Basagio. And I said, were you in the front building or the back building? Because there's two buildings. He said, I don't remember if I was in the front building or back building. But the whole thing was, why would he show me these photographs? And he didn't say it was real. He didn't say it wasn't real. He just said, hey, 
What do you think of these photographs? And I, you know, I had no clue. But I don't believe anything Andrew Basaggio says. I, I, well, I wouldn't I, have believed I, it either. But if, if a top guy from NASA, who is one of the top guys in this field, in the black world, comes to you and shows you photographs, then you got to wonder, why is he showing me these photos? Why did he go to that building? If this is total nonsense, surely to God, he would know that. Well, Grant, maybe. How, was... how familiar are you with NASA, Grant? Maybe. Uh, um, I mean, what do you mean? How familiar? I, I know. I, I know the one guy inside NASA and I know some of the stories that have been told and, and Chris okay. Bledsoe being there and all what happened there and they're watching so, him. So and, it's all secondhand. Okay. But, but no grant, but grant, I don't, do you really think there is, I mean, cause you're an intelligent guy. You've been around, you've since 75, you've been looking, is there in your opinion, a jump room to Mars or not? I absolutely wouldn't have believed it until he showed me those photographs and it goes, but it, but it fits in, it fits in. But, to the whole but, idea. And so when Kit Green is talking to, when Penniston is talking to Kit Green and he says to you, what the heck are you doing here? What are you bugging me for? What do you want my DNA for? My, my, my F fMRI. And he said, oh, it's about propulsion. He said, come on, I'm not stupid, Green. It's not about propulsion. Tell me, what's this really about? And he said, we're trying to figure out how they travel interdimensionally. We're trying to figure out how do they pop in and pop out just as quickly. The, the, the whole jump room thing is the portal. It's a connected to the portal thing. And this is the whole key is when whenever I look at anti-gravity stuff, whether it's the Canadian work that was done, all these uh, with firmages stuff, it all ends up in a dead road. But every time I look to the portals, and I go to the end. It seems to be indicating that, yes, there they do have some technology of portals at contact in the desert. I'm giving an entire lecture just on portals, on all the stuff that I was told How about the, the actuators. Operate, what, what's that? How do the portals operate, in your opinion? Yeah. How, it, well, it depends what you're. I mean, it depends what you're looking at because if you're looking at the 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 Mission Rama Zendra thing, there they talk about this blue light, this blue light that comes off the ground. How they they change, they raise your vibration, and the beings lower, lower their vibration. And these Zendras open. They've been open piles and piles of times. I interviewed uh, ten witnesses. I interviewed the one from 2020. I may have told that story on it before just happened last year where they opened this thing and these people didn't even know they were in a portal zendra they were there they were in nine people two o'clock in the morning this uh adama alien said he was going to appear and at two o'clock in the morning suddenly the one woman she's an intuitive from mexico city said they're here and the other people said how do you know that i could just feel it and everybody says the same thing when you when you vibrated with them you know they're there chris Bledsoe says that all the time i know when they're here they, and everybody's going well i don't see anything and then she the, suddenly the light appears in the forest this bluish white light and this beam comes up and then they say come the, the, she gets intuitive message come to the forest they've opened this zendra and people will describe and i've got a 747 airline pilot who's been in one of these things and they talk about the fact that when you're in it your voice sounds like you're underwater so these people start right. talking about the fact that they were talking and their voice was like they're underwater which means they're inside a zendra and so they the say portal the is beam, metaphysical what, 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 no yeah, hang on what, hang on let me finish what okay they, but, uh, but before you finish, I just want to say, Roderick, I know you have to go. Thanks for being here. Let's have Grant, if he's willing, on the clubhouse at some point, okay? Is that good? Unmute yourself. Unmute. Yep, Unmute. definitely. Uh, can you hear yeah. me now? Yeah, he's yep. full of information. I think it's important to get him there. So, yeah, okay. Grant would love to have you on clubhouse and uh, let you go after it, you know, because you got a lot of things to share. So hopefully okay. uh, you allow Alan to uh, connect us. Okay, I will. Okay, go ahead, Grant. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. Oh, this is metaphysical. 
I'm, I, the one I'm going to lecture I'm going to give is not the thing because I've had lots of people say, oh, I got a portal in my kitchen. I got a portal in my backyard. That's not the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. I'm talking about does the government have this technology? So there is actually, and it's on my White House UFO YouTube channel. I grabbed a, a, a video that was done by Aaliyah Pandolfi, Ron Pandolfi's wife, had a two-hour portal conversation where she's talking about this. At one point, they're talking, and I knew about these stories, that they had these actuators. So this is like a real thing, like this actuators. And this guy whose name is John Sillison. It's kind of a long story. John Sillison goes there in, in Costa Rica. John Sillison comes there to get this actuator out of a portal. He, he gets the actuator. And on this thing, she's saying, you know, um, uh, what about these actuators, John? Are they mythical? Are they act, or did we create them? And he said, and, and he said, no. And he's basically saying, no, we did not create these things. These things come. And the, the whole story was that they had this in the desert, 2016, and Ron on camera. And I've got it. Uh, I've shown it a number of times. Ron on camera going through the Panama Canal on a cruise ship. Doesn't know, realize I'm going to grab this tape from his from his wife's YouTube channel. He says, you know, people have always wondered what it's like to go into the next world. You know, the next time John, his friend that he went to university with, next time John goes to the desert, a number of us here are going to go into the next world and come back again. And I remember uh, Maccabee was floored when he saw that. Ron on camera talking about this, which indicates to me they have some sort of technology. They understand some sort of implications, but the Zendra thing is completely different. That's where they open it up. It's done through vibration. It's like an interdimensional bubble. And I've talked to 12 or 15 people who have been in these things, and there's no doubt they're in these 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 interdimensional things, and there's beings in the, in the bubble, so but you've, have you ever been in one, Grant? Have you ever been in? No, no. Right. Well, David, you've studied a lot of the kind of ancient technologies. I think you, uh, you, do, you do. Where does your research fit into what the whole portal dimensional doorway thing is? Well, I think, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, one of the things, you know, Michael Grosso was talking about the levitating saints, right? Yeah. And, uh, location goes along with levitation um so there is you know i mean there's there's quite a history of this kind of thing not necessarily with the technology unless you consider you know a, a mental technology or a kind of a state of being that allows that sort of thing so yeah. you know i mean with the zendras and that that uh the ramtha group is is doing a form of meditation that is familiar around the world. I mean, you have even in African traditions, right? You have levitation, you have bilocation. So it's it's a fairly common, uh, you know, ability that is is spoken about. Well, and, so you, and let ahead. me make one point on that because Tyler D, if you if you know the story, uh, a guy out of Philadelphia financed uh, Diane Pasolka and Tyler D to go to the Vatican Vatican Library. Uh, Pasolka was interested in this monk or whatever that had bilocated or whatever. Tyler D was interested in the levitating monks because it's technology. He's looking at all the, the files on the levitating monks because that's the whole deal. They're trying to use that. And that's what we've got to do is not so, sort of question it and say, oh, this guy's tr true. This guy's not true. Is to look at it and say, you know, if this is true, let's go look at the records. Does it tell anything about 
how this thing works. Because you can say, no, nobody can levitate. This is all garbage. You know, I don't believe that. But then you lose the whole deal. Tyler at least realized that there was probably some truth to this. Let's go look at the files. And there's something about the, the glow on the guy's face or this. We go to the, the theory, uh, the, the ecstasy, which is almost the same thing as the Mission Rama thing. When they open the portal is you create this vibration by doing this mantra thing. And for hours and hours and hours and hours, you raise the vibration and then you pop through. But there they're using uh, like the meditate, the levitating monks were always a state of ecstasy. They got a, a spiritual ecstasy and the guy would start to levitate. So you start to learn things from these anomalies. And that's the whole point is the anomaly tells you something in our worldview isn't right. And if you can solve the anomaly, you're going to create new technology. So that's that's where Tyler D and all these guys are coming from is to look at the anomalies and try to figure out, is there something we can learn from it? But we're really far then from we're at the beginning of a long new history to humanity. We are at the threshold in a sense. So is this a hundred years till we get public uh, acknowledgement of, of portal well, technologies? Or? Well, when, I think one interesting to think about though, is that we're all hyper-connected now. Yeah. Right. So if you think about the progress that happened with technology over the past hundred years, you know, in this, the idea of, um, the, I mean, like Steve pointed out, right? Like, uh, Craig's down in his basement talking to elves and builds a supercomputer. Um, the the Palomar telescope was built by a guy who said that he talked to, to elves. The a Xerox machine, elves, right? So there's there's this long history. You can keep going on and on and on with this technology. Uh, Bentop, Isaac Bentop, the heart catheter, that was built using meditation modalities. Uh, Marcel Vogel invented the uh, adhesive, the hard drives, um, using uh, visions that he had from, uh, you know, a near-death experience and communication with light beings. So, you know, as we get hyper-connected, I think, you know, we start to see a lot more synchronicities, a lot more of these kind of downloads and communications. So I think that it'll amp up. And the other, I mean, the other thing too, is that you look at you know, so there's this government disclosure. And I think we kind of talked about this last week too, with some of the documents and all that, that Neil had, had gathered was, you know, okay, well, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, there's a third party here, right? Like, or there's a, there's this other form of consciousness, which is communicating to the human level. And that's going to happen whether or not the government wants it to, or a scientist or a billionaire or whoever, right? So <laughs> we have that. And there's what? stuff like the, the randonaut stuff, right? So there's open source technology now where people can access, you know, these random experiences that are being driven by who knows what, you know, I mean, some sort of, uh, you know, randomized field where they're having these experiences, which then increase the downloads as well. I mean, I've had crazy experiences, not even using the randonaut stuff, but just having it activated and like weird. What's the, ra what's the random house stuff you're saying? The randonaut? The yeah, random technology. Yeah, that was something that um, Arcturus Rob had mentioned. It's a it's an app on your phone, and it it's a geocaching app that connects to a random event generator. Right. So you you know the whole point of the random knot thing is that you project an intention, and you turn the app on, and then it'll give you a, a point on your GPS that you go to, and people are finding that you know you think of a bear, right? And then you go and you go to this location it tells you to go to, and there's a, a shopping cart that has a stuffed bear in it abandoned in a field or something. Right. You know, and it's, it's frequent enough. They've got 200 million users now, or more, well, more than that. That was kind it's of a, like really it's broke a out. Dollar.
bit of grab, Dave. It's it's not, no, I know the developer. Yeah, I just have to. No, tell I know. You. Okay, okay, okay. Let's Steve, not get I know into the. It. But no, go no, ahead. Go ahead, Dave. No, go no, ahead, Dave. Uh, Dave, I read. No. What? God, Dave. Sorry. Dave. No, go. Yeah, let Dave and then Henrietta. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, I was go just ahead. gonna say with Steve with the narrative grab. Like, I know the I know the developer, like personally. So I know they're not just messing around with like. You know, it's I mean, not all of, money, well, Steve. The developer, explain, explain, uh, explain but, the developer's thoughts no, no, on synchronicity. We, we, we don't have to get let let let's just Henrietta come on in, Henrietta. What did you have to say? Okay. And well, actually, actually, I was interested in what Steve was asking Dave about this the app, like why you were you know questioning it, or it's you know that the creator's sort of pure intention, if you like, rather than your well, um, I, whatever. Okay, I also I'm want to get curious. back to Grant because Grant's underlying message in a couple of years I've, I've known him is that it's all consciousness. And are we at the threshold of really understanding how to use consciousness in ways that maybe these ETs know how to manipulate craft and create a, a quantum field. Is that the threshold we're at now, you think, Grant? I think it's moving pretty fast. All you have to do, you've been in a long time, I've been in a long time. If you just take a look at what has happened since December of 2017 till now, it's a completely different world. This thing is moving at high speed. And I pointed out, like the people who are, people always forget the people you saw, the good guys and the bad guys, you drag this religious stuff into it. There's, there's just guys. And you take a look at the majority of these guys are experiencers. So uh, Jim Sevan's an experiencer. Gary Nolan talks about, he's the one of the key guys. He talks about, I don't know how it works, but I know how to make it work. And he says, you go through all the problems and you write it down on a piece of paper. You put it beside the bed and I wake up in the morning, he says, and it's either in my head the next day or a couple of days later. It answers the question. So he says, I don't know how this thing works. But everybody's starting to learn that. Tyler D has this thing. He's got 40 inventions. He said, I go to sleep for eight hours and I never drink. I never smoke and I don't drink coffee. And I get up, I get up after eight hours and then I, I go back to bed for an hour. That's critically important. He says, go back to bed for an hour. Then I get a big tall glass of water and I go sit in the Florida sun on the deck and I start to drink the water and the beings start to talk to me. So we're starting to get to the point where this is going to accelerate. And that's the key is the idea that with this, there's this mental aspect that you or semi van says he was asked who's running the show, meaning like the government. And he said, they're running the show. We always got to keep in mind that the disclosure is going to come up to the beings because we don't understand the consciousness thing and they're downloading stuff into people. They're moving the disclosure almost like the Tic Tac. I, I posted just a couple of days ago on Facebook, the Tic Tac thing with the, with the female pilot. She's talking about, she's up there and, and she looks down at this thing and she's, and they described it like, like a, like a ping pong ball bouncing around on the, on the, on the bottom, like a, like a, 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 a bee or a, um, a, a, an insect inside a, a, a bottle. Go, right. I right. saw that in 1975. We called it the bouncing ping pong ball. And so to me, it's the whole thing where, why would, what, what is this? this is a pre-abduction maneuver where they're bouncing around, uh, around the thing and they got the water all bubbling up. I say like, they're sitting there a, a week before the, the, the Nimitz comes and they're going, here we are. 
we are. Take a look at us. And it's the whole theory of wow thing. And then they, they finally they get their attention. They say, Zogar, turn the lights on higher. They, they can't see us. And then finally they come. Here comes the F-18s. And then they say, Zogar, go under the water. Make some big bubbles. Make some big bubbles. They're coming. And he goes under the water and all the bubbles and the things bouncing around. And these pilots are going, oh, my God, what's going on? And they tell that story. And they tell the story. And everybody repeats the story about the thing that dropped from 80,000 feet down to uh, sea level in seven-eighths of a second which is like 15 and a half miles. And the, so the whole thing is these bizarre stories that this paranormal phenomenon is doing these bizarre things and getting people to think. And, and the more we talk about it, the more we get closer to that consciousness thing and people are going and people like you and I are going to put the consciousness thing. And once we put enough pressure on the same as they put pressure for the military, we put the pressure on about the consciousness thing. Then somebody's got to go there on consciousness and then it'll develop because we've got the internet, which makes things go at a tremendous speed now. What do you also think that, like you say, the alien, the beings are in control of the phenomena? They seem to be increasing sightings, seem to be increasing. Cheryl Costa's book reports about those are just reported sightings. I think there's probably at least 50 times more unreported sightings than there. So there's something on the part of the phenomena that may people inside the government may be um, privy to saying they're saying the beings are saying to the government, either you tell them what's going on or we're just going to show up unannounced. So is, do you think that could be going on here, Grant? Well, they're triggering people inside the government. You see the, all these high level government people, who end up being experiencers. I just had did a posting about Hell Put Off. Hell Put Off talking about this fact that in a couple of months after the, the Phoenix light sighting, his 20-year-old son had a major, huge triangle sighting driving through Phoenix. And then Hell said, it's so weird how this works. I picked up the Adamski book in the 1950s, and I went down the rabbit hole. It was like it fell into his lap. And he said, yeah, it, it drove me to this thing, even though I realized it was total garbage. It, it, it he gives that the thing where it flipped them down the rabbit hole. And that's the thing is you start looking at these synchronicities. Is this all accidental that all that, that you see what like in 75, you would never have seen any of this. There's no delayed. There was no time. There was no grays. There was nothing of this stuff. Now we got light language people. We got these people with the orbs and the beams of light and the, and uh, people talking about experiences and high level government people coming forward. It's it's accelerating at an, an incredible rate. Well, if you just I, take I, like a look Dave, at the last three years. What's that, Steve? Like Dave said, what's important about the acceleration, it's obvious, but the fact that we have this information zipping so, so fast around that it, that I just need to uh, read a definition of ecstasy, Grant. Ecstasy, <laughs> the definition is a displacement of mind. Mm -hmm. right? A displacement of the mind. But, but you know, yeah, yeah but, uh, but I... I, I... Ecstasy, is, ecstasy is bewilderment, mm. and, and uh, the surrealists talked about sensory bewilderment, which right. now you have this confirmation resonance where people mm. start seeing it and it adds up and it, and it and it builds up into more and more people willing to have the Well, and I also They're think, Grant, I think it's going to go to another level of complexity that we can't predict at this moment. We're building towards an unknown apocalyptic in a good way point where where something's going to come together. I, this is just my feeling that we had yet to see from this perspective now, it always seems to unfold that way. Like when, you know, the, 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 the living uh, organisms were being suffocated by oxygen, by 
all the, that, which was a poisonous gas until like there was this um, rearrangement of biology that are suddenly oxygen breathing organisms. So I think we're seeing this coming to a crisis, like a pimple that's about to burst. And um, here we are. What do you the, think? The, the, one of the problems that we have is we're in Western society and we want everything yesterday. And, mm. and we want the end, like, when, when are you going to tell me my story of ETs, exactly what I think is going on? And mm. I, I always go back to what David, David Bohm had said about, he was talking to the scientists about the, um, the quantum physics. He said, you know, when we discover all the quantum physics stuff and figure out how this stuff works, there's just another level below that. And they said, no, there's not. <laughs> and that's right. what I think. It gets more complex. When we always think we're on the very edge when in reality, it's all a game. All the world's a stage. All the men and women are but actors. And, and we have this play and it goes on forever and it gets more and more complex. The universe gets more elaborate, more complex. And we just keep building it and building it. And like we just stage play this thing. I don't think there's ever an end to this thing. It's just that we're in, a, in this Western mentality where we want something we you know we it's like i call it like capitalist spiritualism we you know we've got okay. two cars and the big house and and the kids are in college and stuff and now we need something else so let's find out about ufos and and that's the problem that i think that we face is a lot of people want to go out and do sky watches because they want to see something and it's like well what where is this getting us you gotta you gotta get beyond just sort of entertainment and mm. what's the message? Why are the beings here? Why did this start? Why why did this all start in 1947? Well, why, why are we in, engaging with this thing? And that's where we sort of miss the experiencer thing. But the experiencers are, it's like no, it's no, like every other social and political movement. Your kid may have cancer. It doesn't mean that the world has to shut down to cure your kid from cancer. We, if it's, it's important to us to get the consciousness message, if we believe that's important to the world, it is the onus is on us to put the pressure on the same way as Elizondo and Mellon and these guys have done here to move the move, move the ball down the field. We can't wait for Big Brother government to do it for us. But there oh, are Greg, these Greg, quant- Greg, oh, Go ahead, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna go, Dave. There's the great game, and you mentioned the game. There's the great game, and there's great work. The great game, political, move it around, technology. Great game is creating soul, uh, creating finer souls. When Alan spoke about the dissolution in the pimple, the thing that came to mind to me was the old axiom, dissolve and coagulate. We're dissolving the that, we're dissolving this this uh, consensual what? hallucination, and we're coagulating. Right. Well, that's what Grant's saying. But I think there have been quantum leaps within Western civilization. I mean, yes, the discovery of the new world, it wasn't good for the Native Americans, of course, but that was a quantum leap, the Renaissance, uh, the combustion engine, of course, it had its downfalls. And there's been quite, I mean, we are, most of the world is a lot better off now than they were 100 years ago. There, I mean, there's less wars, there's more, but it's not perfect. There's still a lot of problems, but there is an evolution. So I say, let's say all the evidence is out. Let's say all the UFOs is known. Let's say all the secrets are revealed. Then what? Then we're here to be creative beings. That's my end game there. That's what we're here to live the joy of incarnation. The, 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 that's where I think it's all going ground. Yeah. I'm not sure you're going to see as much as people think they're going to see, because basically what you've got now is what have we actually learned? We think we've learned a lot. They, they briefed the Senate intelligence committee and the armed services committee. What did they tell them? Oh, we can't talk about that. So it, it's just the same story. It's just at a different level. They're telling you that they're covering it up. 
and 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 Lou Elizondo gets asked questions. How many sightings did you look at? Well, I can't really go there. It's like if you can't talk about any, how many sightings there are, we're, we're not learning anything. We're just learning that there's a bigger and bigger cover up. It's more uh, validated that there's a cover up, but they're still not telling us anything. Whether well, it's maybe, Senate, whether it's Elizondo or anybody. But maybe that's actually what they're trying to tell us openly that there is a cover up. Maybe that's yeah. that's but the it, thing they're telling it, us outright. But are they actually going to come across and tell you, or are they just going to keep this moving the ball down and saying, well, we clearly can't talk about that. We can't talk about this non-disclosure agreement and this sort of stuff where we already knew this. We knew they had crashed material. There, there's two crashes. Now Valet's come out with a new book with a 45 crash. And the first crash was the Maury Island crash where it happened since three days before Kenneth Arnold. The first thing that started was a crash. And so, uh, you know, th this has been going on. Do you actually think they're crashes or some people say they were put down those ships? For, Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's where we've got to go. That's the theory of wow, where you say, oh, you know, they're shooting them down with radar and uh, lightning inside. And like what they came. Uh, I always say, you think that a flying saucer came across the galaxy and then little pieces start falling. I'm going to ask valet this on Saturday. <laughs> let me tell you. And because they always think like we got this piece and it's you're looking at the piece and it's got these weird isotopes and go, holy cow, we didn't make this thing. And that's the same thing as the UFO saying, oh, no, wait, that's not us. And it's just to get you to realize that there's more to the world or the, uh, the idea of the crashes. So if you take a look at uh, Bob Bigelow in the last in the recent interview with George Knapp, George says to him, he says, uh, well, what about Roswell? He said, oh, yeah, Roswell happened. Yeah, yeah. But he said there was other crashes. There was crashes in the United States. There was a crash in Russia. There was a crash in China. There was a crash in South America. I think they're seeding them. That's what Bob Bigelow says. Bob Bigelow knows a little more than you and I. And then oh, okay. Tyler D calls it the gifting field. When he takes Diane Pasolka and oh, Nolan okay. to the gifting field, they call it. And I actually asked Ryan, did Tyler actually use that term, the gifting field? He said, yeah, I did. And that's the whole idea. This stuff may be given to us, the same as the UFO sightings, are just to give us an impression, to teach us. It's all a game. They're, they're leaking this stuff. The, the, whoever the intelligence is, is controlling the, the, the release of information and elevating our consciousness to realize we're, we're not alone. That there's more to the world isn't flat. The sun doesn't go around the earth. We're not the center of the universe. Things aren't solid. Consciousness is part of this thing. And there's just gradually filling it in. And that's what I, I think. So the end result, I don't think is as close, but it's the consciousness thing that will save us. And hopefully we get it before we destroy the world. Cause it's right. the, the message to me, the number one message by the beings is the oneness message. Unless you guys get it together and realize you're all one thing. And if you keep fighting, like your, your football teams fighting against each other and winning is the only thing that matters, you're going to destroy the world. And that's the, the thing well, where, it's you and I have to get this message across. Well, that that's actually what the guest who couldn't make it tonight. That's her message as a contactee. It's time to transcend. Yeah, Henrietta. Yes. Yes. I, I just wanted to say, because I've been thinking about um, Anjali, who was supposed to be here, because I was yeah. reading talk about, a um, Talk a little louder. And, uh, I, it, oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. So when she talks about these that she gets and she says this very key thing you know what you might think it is it is not that sort of um what Barbara Lamb was also talking about when she felt she had made contact with John Mack in the afterlife um it, it's like we, we <laughs> I don't know if this is very obvious to say but you know we really don't know what you might think it is it is not and and I also 
latched on to what she said about these um, messages say that this, this, there's going to be a new form of communication. I mean, that, that just really interests me. It's like, I'm almost like tired of speaking <laughs> in this way, you know? Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like that, right? It's just, we're, we're sort of, I mean, this is how we know. It's like lots and lots of words and we're trying to figure it out. But I think going back to Michael Grosso when he says this kind of collective near-death experience where we just go into a, a new way what? of um, being able to communicate with each other and and all these other interdim other dimensional well, beings. Well, that's my lecture at Contact in the Desert. I'm doing it, taking off what John Mack said. If we're going to understand this phenomena, we need other ways of knowing. And that gets into understanding quantum physics and the role of consciousness, Grant. So um, what... Uh, no. uh, you're breaking up, Steve. You're breaking up. But uh, anyway, I have one more. Yeah. No, no, I, I couldn't. Can you write something? I could you. But Grant, um, let's say it all comes out. Let's say. Um, will there be. A, no, but uh, yeah, no, but is it really going to affect people? I mean, you know, Copernicus said the, uh, the earth was not this. It didn't affect the guys farming, the serfs, the, you know, it is. How much is this really going to change the average person? Because I well, agree with you. It's the most incredible story of all time, but most people are so asleep. And so, um, so what do you think? Yeah. Well, it depends. What, what, what do you mean by change? I mean, if they say turn off the nukes, do you think they're, they're every, every nation is going to say, OK, well, we'll agree to that. We're going to turn off all the nuclear weapons because they're very concerned about this. We're going to stop polluting the planet. Uh, we're mm. going to stop war. Uh, I think people are just going to go on themselves uh, in terms of it's all about profit. It's the end result. It's uh, making a buck. It's me versus you, good versus bad, all this kind of stuff. I'm not sure that that's going to happen right away where um yeah that, that's the that's the the key issue is whether we make it through that that well, separation thing well actually i want to have you on with whitley streber and um daryl anka i'm going to try to set that up and this will be like a contact program okay uh uh grant would yeah. that be interesting for you daryl anka the one is the all the all are the one and you and but that's so simple there has to be more to it don't you think <laughs> we're not there well, it's a key principle it's a key principle it's like right. you know what you put out comes back and oneness and that seems to be the number 54 percent of all experiences say they're talking about oneness everybody thinks you know they're talking about you know whatever politics that you know where, with your government and all this kind of stuff or religion they don't talk about religion they talk about politics they talk about this oneness concept and 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 i think that's a, a key message which i'm not sure is going to change because we're moving more and more as i can see it to a world of rape, pillage, kill, and steal. I mean, the, the 10 poorest countries in the world are capitalist free enterprise, you know, shitholes where people mm -hmm. are, we got 64 million people wandering the world with, that are absolutely hated by everybody. Don't come into our country. Uh, they own nothing. I mean, we're, we're just going in a, in a real bad direction as far as right. I can see it with the separation thing where it's about who has the most and it's a materialistic paradigm that has to be broken. Otherwise it's game over. Well, that's the very reason a lot of people say, who cares about UFOs? Let's take care of the planet and let's stop looking out there. I don't agree with that, but that's a lot of the kind of political agendas. Some of the like environmentalists and all those kind of uh, liberals Steve have, right? 
not even meeting she, you. Yeah, even Sheehan talked about that, where he talked about the power of the aerial school kids. What was the message? The one that uh, Emily Trim got was mm. technology, all these technological images coming in her head. And the last one was this giant explosion. And it said, you have technology, but you could do better. And the girl beside her was getting these rapid image cycling things with the environment. Those are the two main messages that they're getting. And when you get powerful little kids telling those messages, so when that movie comes out, that may shift some people, but it sort right. of reinforces you and I with the idea. But the average guy who's you know making a, uh, a living and doesn't know anything about UFOs, it's still about how am I going to make more money? How, how do I stop paying taxes? All this kind of stuff. People are consumed with this material world, and that's where the, what they're trying to warn us about. Right, right, right. So one more question, and then everyone can like, have a sort of final question because we've been at this for a while. If you had Elizondo right there in front of you, which you might at some point, what would you ask him? What would you want him to tell you, Grant? Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. Um, oh, come on. Let's say it's happening. Let's make that happen for you, Grant. <laughs> let's visualize it. Um, what comes to mind? Like, what do you want to know? Uh, what would you like to know? Well, let's say the government in general. What do you like? You sort of know it. Oh, you've been doing all this research. But what do you want to hear them say? Basically, you know what? Because, I mean, what comes to mind? Well, to me, it's always the consciousness thing. The fact that we don't understand that this thing is a lot less physical than people think it is. It's a lot more spiritual than people think it is. It's a thousand times more complex than people think it is. And it is a hive, which, I mean, it's not going to go over well in America when people realize it's like everybody's, the, the message. So they come to you and say, the message is, Alan, everybody's a, a, a cell in the human body. And everybody's right. to do what they're supposed to do. And in the United States of America, that's not a good message today. It's like, don't you dare tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want. In fact, <laughs> if you tell me to do it, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. It's this individual. And that's the idea. Is it individual? The, the whole world is moving to individuals fighting each other like football teams compared to everybody working together as cells in the human body, bees in a hive, whatever it is. People don't like that concept of of, right. of the, 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 the cells. And, and it's the idea is that, that when you get 80 trillion cells and then one decides they're going to do their own thing, it's a cancer cell. That's what the situation we're in in the world. That's what I would want them to, to get across is this message that we've got to do this. This we've, we've got to stop fighting each other. But it's hard to do because people are so invested in the material thing of making money. And you do that through competition and uh, through capitalism and stuff like that. And I don't know how you turn that around. Well, that's a conditioning. That making money thing is a brainwashing that we're set to. Yeah, Henrietta, go ahead. I, I mean, I just, I'm not sure that the general populace is as materialistic as we say. I mean, I think the powers that be, the big stru power structures, for sure. I mean, the, the defense budget being like actually 950 billion, the US defense budget. I mean, but but the average person that you're talking about, this I, I don't agree that lots of people are asleep and they're just thinking about making money. I think that um, people are, are, are much richer and more multifaceted than that. And mm, maybe particularly, particularly all over the world, we're just talking about you know maybe maybe Americans more so. But you know, I'm I'm not I'm from England originally, and I, traveling the world you know, a lot in my life. I, I don't feel that people are as sort of um, asleep as we're all, as we're saying, you know, I, and, and also 
if they're having these experiences of seeing, um, you know, very ordinary people with ordinary lives, if you want to say that, as you know, if they see these kind of great balls of light or spaceships, I was watching a lot of these things today. And, you know, it does take you into a different mindset where you know that we really don't know what's going on, who we are, you know, and I've spoken to a lot of friends who've had those experiences and it changes their whole trajectory. So, so maybe, I, I don't know, yeah. I, I have more hope for the general, you know, that it's us, the people, that actually are much more onto the consciousness, spiritual component that Grant keeps talking about. I just see that the whole government power structure thing is that it's the distraction, you know, that's, but, but all of us together, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's, well it's hopefully kind of, it's maybe not that <laughs> i mean there is a lot of narrative grab Wait, it's a what, what were you saying what grant grab. was going to say something go ahead grant jump no, in. i i would sort of sum it up like this i mean it's a reincarnation world i had this major download it's a reincarnation world we all came in here at this particular time in this particular place in the middle of whatever mess or heavenly state we find ourselves in and we we chose this in a reincarnation world, it's all experience. So it's not like we're in a, a terrible world. And if we get disclosure, then it's going to be a wonderful world. And everybody's going to be, you know, in Nirvana. It's basically you dealt the cards, play the cards you're dealt. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And it really doesn't matter if it's good and bad stuff happening to us. If you take the responsibility that we have a, a, a part in this and choosing this kind of stuff, we're here for a reason. We're supposed to figure out what we're supposed to do. And it really doesn't matter whether we're poor or rich or whatever. Uh, we may have chosen that in a reincarnation world. And it comes down to when you leave, I believe you only get to ask one question, how did it work out? And the, the, the whole thing is we're on a stage and you put the players on the stage and you played the whole thing and you can't blame Hillary Clinton and the government and, and Alan and me and you, you have you to take responsibility for, for where you are and realize that we are uh, here to learn and whatever happens to us, we either learn from it or we don't learn from it. Right. No, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter if there's aliens or not. Although I love that line by Terrence McKenna who says what we think is an alien invasion is just there to it's in disguise. So as not to really alarm us about what's really going on. I don't think we right. Actually, yeah, I don't think we really Alan, know I what's had. I just yeah. have a. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Steve. I have a Terrence McKenna quote. I've been waiting to say for the last five minutes. Okay, please. I love Terrence. Yeah. yeah go the mystery is in the body. The mystery is in the body and the way the body works itself into nature. What the archaic revival means is shamanism, ecstasy, orgiastic sexuality, and defeat, the defeat of the three enemy of the people. And the three enemies of the people are hegemony, monogamy, and monotony. We have to break the monotony. I think that's what the UFOs do. I think that's why I'm excited about it. And, and Henry, and, and I, we, it will break the monotony. I think what Henrietta was also saying, when someone sees a UFO, I mean, uh, other, the, the Hertog say, or Desiree Hertog says, it changes people. It changed you, Grant. I mean, you were kind of a regular guy. And then, boom, 1975. You kind of just go out of curiosity and you're sucked down the rabbit hole. Uh, Linkatai and Phoenix, she was a doctor. She saw the Phoenix lights, changed her life for the next 20 years. Maybe we, when these things show up, we'll get the world of consciousness. 
who knows that we're hoping for and maybe they're just gauging and maybe that's what's so panicked about the government it's like either you tell them or we tell them that's sort of like the and they're they're appearing and this woman anjali said there are, there are four different races that are coming here ready or not here they come and so we better get ready. It's one of the messages. We'll have her on at some point. David, do you have any final words here from your perspective? Uh, this is my disclosure, right? Like, I think that these conversations and, and listening to folks like Whitley, you know, I mean, Steve with Oshelon and, uh, you know, his continuous kind of pushing the boundaries, mm -hmm. the stuff that Grant's been exploring, um, Henrietta, the mm -hmm. stuff that you've done, Alan, you know, I mean, I think that this is where this is where I'm getting my information from. I'm glad that we had this opportunity, though, for Grant to kind of recap the other stuff. The other stuff is, I find it fascinating, you know, but in terms of the actual phenomena, you know, and I've said this, I think, on a couple of different of, of these video casts, it just for me, you know, and Grant, as you said earlier, I mean, you know, it's the, the beings themselves. That's kind of the interesting thing and us, right, in that relationship. Mm. And so that's, you know, that to me is really the, the meat. Well, that's what's so exciting is the beings. And who are they? Well, how do they think? What do they know? I mean, that's the fascination. I mean, it gets us out of the mundane of the human drama. Like how long can we see the same old silly love story in some Hollywood movie or some violent war movie or some, you know, Western? We need a new story. And I think the ETs, whatever's out there, is part of a new story. That's why I say in my book. So, Grant, thank you. Anything you want to leave us with? I, I just want to leave you with a quote. Uh, Nancy Tremaine, I helped her pu publish her first book. I wrote the forward to her second book. She's an experiencer out of um, Michigan. I would recommend people read her very complex story, lifelong experiences. She was actually taken before Betty and Barney Hill in wow. uh, July of 1961. Uh, had witnesses, there was a military operation to investigate her case, which is kind of weird because this is would be the first sort of major abduction case. And they already knew the military was there questioning people. And here's a, she wrote this down from her sleep, which we were talking about these sort of noetic downloads that people get. She got this in her sleep. This is basically something that I got the same thing. And I'll give you one more as soon as it's finished. Wait, what, what's says, the name of her book, Grant? What's the name of that book? Uh, shoot. Now you asked me. I oh, got sorry. Okay. Uh, Nancy uh, Tremaine, I'll look her up. I never uh, heard of her, but yeah, go ahead. She, she, okay, so here, here's here's what she she woke up in the morning, and this was written down on her pad. Realities or illusions are part of the delusion that we have created. We are living in a delusional illusion of our making. We are all players in this fictional theory, theory, theater that we perform for our creators, a muse existing for our audience. The stage is set at birth. And our performance has begun. I had a, uh, a bunch of beings that came to me, uh, these two beings from three beings that are claiming that they wanted to talk to me. They wanted me to do a book out of London, England. And they told me I was talking to them in this sort of a trance things, woman in trance. And I was talking to these beings and they said sort of the same sort of thing. They said, we have always been here. You are the visitor. And I was talking, I just was interviewed by Whitley and Whitley sort of got the same sort of idea, this whole idea that it may be all here, all now, uh, that the beings are uh, unfolding this thing for us, but we are part of the stage play, that this, this idea of the uh, uh, 
the, the world being a, a sort of a, a big sort of video game, that it's way more consciousness than we think, and we have a lot more control of our mind as to what we what we manifest and how the world unfolds. So, right. um, and, yeah. and that goes back to this thing where I always said I hated my, William Shakespeare, and now it appears all the world's a stage. All the men, women, and aliens are but actors. They have their entrances and their exits. Each man plays many roles, and we are not the actor on the stage. We are playing an actor on a stage. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but it's all a stage, but we, what's so exciting about the UFO situation, whatever you want to call it, is that it's an unknown. It's unpredictable. It's yet to come into our human field. And that's what excites me. We're at the threshold of a new, a new illusion, probably, but it's a new version of, it's an upgraded version. And um, wait, wait, see. Okay. One of the big downloads for me, and, and Dave mentioned the ocean line thing, was that we're on a checkerboard, which has significance. And we're jumping around on this board, and we jump one square is the elves, one square is the aliens, one square is spirituality. And Oshelon said to me, Get off the board. Get <laughs> off the board. How do you do that, Steve? How do you do that? Stop playing. You stop playing, and possibly you start working. Right. In, working. In the great what do you mean? The great work. What do you mean working, though? There's the great game. Uh, well, oh, the great work. The, 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 the alchemists like get 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 into yeah, what exactly. it means to go there. This, yeah. this is what Anjali says. It's time to transcend. What, what were you going to say, Grant? Yeah, it, well, it goes to this thing. The, the uh, what's his name? The uh, Eckhart Tolle, the idea of being in the now that we, we can get caught up in the future We're waiting for this to happen. And then I'll get off my ass and do something. But the, the theory of now says this is the moment. This is the time. Almost like the checkerboard thing. Now you, 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 you've got to do it. You, you move ahead. You do what you're supposed to do. And don't worry about or even Jesus said, you know, the the, 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 the what's the the, the uh, flowers, they don't work and the 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 the, uh, the uh, birds don't worry about anything. Why should you worry uh, about the future? It, be in the here, be in the now and uh, realize that it's, you've had a wonderful opportunity to be a part of this uh, this universe. And we can get caught up into waiting for something to happen or waiting for a better time where we say we'll we'll get going once this happened. And we got to be in the here and now and do what we've got to do right now. Right. No, that that sort of does sum it up. And and right. Whether they're aliens or elves there, it's about now. And this is I think we're waking up to something about that. I mean, something's waking up. Yeah. Henrietta, please. No, well, I just wanted to say I, I was thinking about like how it seems to be from all the conversations, including these and that I'm having with other people, this massive synchronicities that's happening and you know, coming into contact with this kind of burning um, intelligence that's, you know, so much sort of beyond us, but also part of ourselves. You know, mm. it's like, um, but, I just find it, you know. Um, but isn't it I mean, exciting, I, Henrietta? Isn't it really like? No, no, yeah, and it's happening very, very fast. And then for me personally, in, in these kind of interesting increments, um, which are much more rapid, and with these sort of synchronicities. I mean, I, I saw something, I told you this, Alan, but I didn't tell you about it, but I walked tell out me. of the house the other night, because it's good to talk about these things, an actual thing. I saw this like 
orange, red, you know, ball just kind of moving across the sky as I walked out of this house um, a few nights ago. And I, and I was able to like stand and stare and look at it for quite a, a long time. And, and then I looked on the internet afterwards, like, was that a satellite? It, it just didn't seem to be that, but, but I, it gave me the sense of like this vast intelligent power and the sort of the great mystery, the, the great thing of like where we're going next. But mm. it was on the back of having a three hour conversation with one of my oldest friends whose twin brother is, is currently dying. And he was a very close friend of mine too. And we had this really intense conversation. We were quoting Psalms. We were remembering literature and poetry that he loved. You know, it's this, and then his Catholic faith and, you know, the words of Jesus Christ. And so we'd have this conversation and I walked out and, you know, there it was. Kind of beautiful, beautiful. So wow. I, I just feel wow. like those experiences for me personally, take me out of what Grant's been talking about, you know, this, you know, we are, it is a horrible, messy, like, situation that we're in. But I mean, those moments give me this power, which isn't mine, you know, it belongs to all of us. I, I just think there's possibilities mm. for mm. what we can do in the oneness, the shared. Yeah, but what I like about it, these conversations that, but what I like about these conversations, I'm glad Grant joined us today, is that there's yeah. a mystery and maybe the mystery will always be yeah. there. But the, the, the kind of um, joy is to talk about the mystery, not to solve the answer, but to somehow realize we're part of the mystery, but not to discard intelligence either. Let's use our intelligence to, as Grant says, move the ball down the field. We may not score a touchdown this time, but it's like where there's movement in thought and understanding. And that's part of the human dilemma to seek understanding, but maybe seek it in a new way. Like, like John Max says, another way of knowing. So I don't know. Bashar actually brings up another thing that applies to this. Live at your highest expect, uh, your highest excitement, your moment of highest excitement without any expectation of how it's going to turn out. And that's where we are. That's why we have these exciting conversations yeah. is it's exciting and you're in this and that's where you need to be. And that's where you need to stay in the moment and enjoy it and uh, go with it. That's it. We are making contact, as my book says, with ourselves, with the mystery, with the unknown, with possibility. And it's much better than sitting home and drinking beer and watching the baseball game is talking about this. And Alan, <laughs> you're always bring back to like, back to like, back to like, you know, like, you know, beings, you know, which we know not yet what we can achieve. And that's why right. I'm excited myself. We know not yet. Yeah, I'm so happy you're seeing stuff, Henrietta. That's exciting. Well, you'll have to come to New York so we can watch some stuff. Um, I'll talk to you after, Henrietta. Call me. But uh, thanks, Grant, for spending time. And, and you know, you, you are my go-to guy, Grant, on putting the pieces as the next, as the next evidence comes through cnn or delon or or who, you're the guy who said okay maybe this piece goes here or that piece goes there i mean i really enjoy that so i'll be in touch and thank you david thank and you, Steve. Alex, everybody
Okay. See see you soon. Thanks everyone online. We had a good chat too online. So I appreciate everyone online and uh, you can always take out a super chat to support this channel. That's this week's episode of the paranormal UFO consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes, links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.